Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo. Skag three, whoever he is. Get your plug fascist ass out of here! Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. You are a terrific team on all counts. Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement, this is, is the Matt and Blonde Show. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true and international over depression. <laughs> Hey, why the fuck is the gas so hot, bitch? An overnight breakthrough on Capitol Hill, a bill aimed at reducing inflation now appears to be headed toward passage after Democrats finally reached a deal with holdout Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema. Well, Sinema, she negotiated some changes to this deal, but it would still include the largest climate investment in the country's history, would lower the price for some prescription drugs, and it's expected to reduce the deficit. And perhaps most importantly, Democrats and many economists say it will help bring down inflation. <laughs> Serious? For Democrats, this would be another huge legislative win going into the midterms. They are still facing plenty of political headwinds, historic inflation, the president's bad poll numbers, but it really would give Democrats something to run on with a series of popular policies. You are fake news. I doubt it. Let's go, Brandon. Very fake news. You absolute son of a bitch. That Bally. was four days ago, five days ago. Come on, man. Give me a little break here. I will eat your ass. That's why I want the globalists to know I will eat your ass first. All right, America, go to the YouTube right now. Big ups to Rebecca for keeping Matt woke. Congratulations to both of you. You're awesome. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can all write it and we'll do it live. Hello and welcome to the show. It is a great show. It is a terrific show. It is... A tremendous show. Frankly, the very best. You can ask anyone about that. People often do. I'm told this is the Matt and Blonde Show. My name is Matt Christensen. I'm flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Blonde. Welcome. Hello. What time does the inflation turn off? Do we have an official date or time set? Oh, it's just indefinite. Yeah. But don't worry, there's no recession and jobs are coming back. As of a few hours ago, this afternoon, the Senate has now passed the Inflation Reduction Act. I'm just curious if I can set my watch to a certain time at which the misery is ended. Uh, And I I look forward to learning exactly how many IRS agents and exactly how many solar panels and windmills uh, are are necessary to, uh, to cure what ails us. Or wind turbines, rather, I should clarify. Uh, we will break down the new giant piece of federal tax and spend crap, or maybe not. We already kind of went through it in detail last week, but at least the process that brought this gift to us. We'll take a look at that. Uh, plus in a meeting of the Sunday streams, that's far too long in the making. Robert, uh, Barnes joined me earlier today to explain the Alex Jones trial, which, uh, looks a lot to me like a lawsuit over pretty much having an opinion and I think that's something we should all uh, worry about. Oh, yeah. So we will get to that about an hour from now. We'll have uh, Mr. Barnes explain all the details of the Alex Jones trial to us. Plus, uh, Brittany Griner is officially off to the Russian gulag for nine years unless we trade an actual criminal for her instead. 
So the we deal is should not do that. We, the deal is in the works. We need her attempted dunks to return to the U.S. <laughs> I had not seen the highlight reel of Brittany Griner attempted dunks. We'll get to that in a minute. How does she miss so much? She's like nine feet tall. Yeah. I have to be fair. I think she has 25 dunks credited to her in her career. And if I'm correct, there have only been something like three or four dunks by other players in the history of the NBA. So this so, is like really good for a woman. Yeah. Exceptionally good. She is legitimately a, the history of the WNBA, right? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you just said NBA. I was there like, are probably right. <laughs> more dunks in a, well, I don't know. It might be close. There might be more dunks in a single game in the NBA than Brittany Griner's entire career. Mm. But uh, gender differences aren't real. Also, uh, after we talked to uh, Robert Barnes, uh, moderate by the book, Merrick Garland, he can't stop meddling in state affairs. This week's uh, this week, it's the Breonna Taylor case and your state, the state of Idaho's new abortion law. Merrick Garland says you can't do that. It doesn't uh, satisfy the need for emergency services or some nonsense like that. And I'll explain why that's bullshit. And uh, before we get out of here, we have hoax hate, of course. And tonight's movie review is falling down. So stick around for that. We'll catch up with your super chats in between topics. Ten bucks and up on the Sunday show because we are no good. Low down money grabbers, of course. It will be all this and more in your favorite couple hours of listening material. Remember, you can find everything show related and support the show for as little as a buck a month over on the website. That is mattchristensenmedia.com. We also have show merchandise for sale on the site. Plus, we have offers from friendly listener-owned businesses as well. This week's feature business is our friends at Western Razor Company. Everyone knows how many options there are out there for shaving products, but they all seem like they come with huge compromises. Most razors sold today are made in China by global conglomerates that hate you. Well, not anymore. I'm talking about the new high noon safety razor from Western Razor. Not only is it made in America, but it uses widely available double-edged razor blades that only cost pennies each. Safety razors were used by just about every man in America back in the 50s and 60s until the big razor companies figured out they could make more money selling disposables and signing you up for endless subscriptions. But the safety razor has always been the superior method made out of 100% metal in the USA. Western Razor's high noon razor is a fantastic way to buy American and actually save money long term. Get one today and get 10% off your entire order from Western Razor using promo code MATT10. It's 10% off at Western Razor, promo code MATT10. Find everything you need from Western Razor, plus other great offers from the rest of our friendly listener-owned businesses like Hero Soap Company, Phoenix Ammunition, Sonoran Defense Technologies, and more. That's at mattchristensenmedia.com slash deals, deals for listeners by listeners. All right, we had a uh, meetup in San Antonio. I'm told it was uh, a cookout in combination with range time. Nice. So that sounds fun. like an excellent choice for uh, for a pastime for me. So I hope you guys had fun. And uh, the, the uh, ever active Melbourne and Sydney groups, I'm not sure who's who. They just kind of intermingle despite their vast... The vast geographic distance between them, but this mask better be a fucking joke. I bet it is. I have it on good authority that it is. Okay, good. Uh, I'm also told, uh, at least I was given clearance to issue congratulations to Andrew and Viv of this group who are expecting. Yay! So congratulations, guys. 
And I was told by Shanique was stunning and brave to say congrats to Andrew that he managed to keep his job despite a vaccine mandate. And I can't go into all the details of how other than uh, apparently just stall. Just say you'll get around to it. And uh, I guess that works. Or at least in some instances. Never follow up on it. Yeah, Yeah, just, uh, you know, put it on the back burner for a little while and see what happens. So uh, thank you guys. I hope you had a fun time. And of course, uh, if you want to meet fellow listeners of the show in your area, you can do that through the community page of the website, mattchristensenmedia.com slash community. Information is available there. Uh, I also have to say, recall um, last week, the hoax hate episode with the mechanic who found the blackface doll in his toolbox. He also said that someone gave him a lighter and that the lighter that depicted an orangutan was a racist offense. Lickety split, man. I asked for this. Look what showed up in the mailbox this week. The same orangutan audience with the banana bick. So is that uh, racist because you're a snow monkey? I don't know. I don't know if bick is going to have to discontinue this model, but I'm going to find a safe spot for it here in the uh, the old makeshift studio space, along with the fuck Mm. BLM Hawaii license plate and some of the other magnificent pieces. A police report. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a hate incident uh, against me. I see where you're going. Uh, the, the listener who sent this to me, he has to be credited as a fat bearded honky. So <laughs> thank you to a fat bearded honky. Uh, last little announcement. I will return to my friend Frank's show, quite frankly, tomorrow night, about 730 p.m. Eastern time, at least live. Uh, you can find everywhere that is viewable over uh, on his website that's quite frankly dot tv quite frankly dot tv tomorrow night august 8th live uh, he goes live about seven i'll be joining about a half hour into the show Seven thirty eastern time don't know what we're going to discuss but uh probably the news of the day and maybe some new fatherhood things or you know whatever we'll just catch up because it's been i haven't i haven't talked to frank on a stream since he filled in for you when your baby was born two years ago two years so ago, yeah. it's been a little while Ooh. Yeah, man, time flies. So I uh, hope to see some of you guys over on Frank's channel tomorrow. Okay, let's talk about the uh, the news. Uh, is is God's wrath finally upon us? This uh, No, it wasn't quite the White House. And then the people that died did not deserve it. So, so if, bad, like, Nancy bad Pelosi aim got God, is that lighting, what you're saying? Yeah, I think God has better aim than this. <laughs> okay. It was like two old people on their anniversary and then like a young guy just minding his own business. So this was actually AOC. really bad, and I shouldn't joke about it at all, is is actually the... Oh, you should joke about all things. But, okay. you know, if AOC got, you know, split in half by a bolt of lightning, I would think it was a God thing. But this seems random to me. I'm no expert in uh, the strength of lightning strikes, but the video in the description here sounds like a particularly strong lightning yes, strike. Yes, this meteorologist said that it was a six-stroke flash. This was next to the White House, not directly on the White House. And all six of them hit the same point in the ground. Six separate lightning bolts. They all combined forces. Like it's it was a uh, Captain Planet or something. They're all combining yeah, their yeah. rings. And three people were killed. Three people. And one was just, didn't one survive but died? Because uh, it was originally reported two. So someone must have survived and Someone died survived later. and then died, yeah. My God. Okay. Well, uh, that is an absolutely crazy weather event. There were a whole series of just absolutely crazy death events to be frank this week that um well some of them are explained some not fully but uh indiana republican congresswoman jackie walorski 
was killed in a car crash in her district on Wednesday. This happened in Elkhart, the northern part of the state near the Michigan border. Two of her staffers were also killed. Uh, One of her staffers was driving. The collision was head on with another car. The driver of that car was also killed. The official story of what happened changed uh, slightly later in the week. On Thursday, investigators said Walarski, uh, her car crashed into the other car after crossing the center line. So the original story was that the other car crossed the center line and hit them. Right, right. The updated was story that is untrue. Mm. The updated story is that they crossed the center line and hit another car. They were driving a Rav Four, the other per- a Toyota Rav Four, like small SUV mm-hmm. crossover. Um, the other car, I forget exactly what it was, but I, I think it was like a sedan. Um. So the incident remains under investigation. Wolarski was the top Republican on the House Ethics Committee and had served in Congress since 2013. Uh, The crash happened midday, 1230 p.m. And I don't know exactly what the weather situation was at the time, but all the photos I've seen of the aftermath doesn't look like weather was a factor. It looks like a nice sunny day with plenty of visibility. It's not like you're dealing with icy road conditions in August or something like that. And no one was wasted. Is that confirmed? I hadn't seen that. We don't have any. Did they do? Did they confirm that? Or is that just. I'm just assuming hmm. it doesn't seem like a like a drunk driving crash. But who knows? I guess I, I guess it's fair to assume that staffers driving around a congresswoman wouldn't be wasted. But a, a bizarre. <laughs> but you never know. <laughs> it's just a bizarre thing to, to cross over into the oncoming lane of traffic in the middle of the day with plenty of visibility. Maybe maybe it's something as simple as like a deer jumped out and they overreacted or, or something like texting that. Texting or something like that. Yeah, but uh, questions remain in that story. And and speaking of just absolutely horrific car crashes that are bizarre and suspicious, this one in L.A. was even more insane. On Thursday, mm-hmm. a 37-year-old registered nurse named Nicole Linton drove her Mercedes through an intersection in the Windsor Hills neighborhood. Apparently, it speeds exceeding 100 miles per hour. The crash Ooh. killed six people and injured eight, including an eight and a half months pregnant woman and her unborn child. The LA times is reporting five deaths. I thought this was an interesting note in the story because every other story I saw said six. They're not including the unborn child in the count of the dead, but they do say in the story, Linton is likely to be charged with killing the unborn child as well as the five others. So she's going to be charged for a killing that didn't happen because it's five, not six. Right. Okay, I see what you're doing here, L.A. Times. That's just a weird (laughs) sentence to include. But I think that's an important point because it's weird that they're not including that unborn child. But what's more important is what this crash, just the the absolute horror show that this crash produced. Um, The driver survived and cooperated with investigators while hospitalized. She's now been arrested and is facing uh, vehicular manslaughter charges. There is. It sounds like she was wasted, though. I, did you see any information on that? Because I just saw a toxicology friend, or I, I didn't see a toxicology report, but her friend came out and said that she had been drinking and that her boyfriend just broke up with her. And so I think that she had just, oh. just kind of lost it. Well, here's some of the footage. It's it's not gory, but it gives you an idea of what it looks like. Uh, just, you know, if you don't want to see that type of car crash, maybe look away. But this is what it looked like. A horrific crash caught on camera. A black Mercedes plowing into a Los Angeles intersection Thursday afternoon. The cars erupting in flames. The driver of the black Mercedes suffering major injuries but surviving the crash and now in police custody. Okay. The uh, 
it, it, the so the the pregnant woman killed the story of what happened to her is actually much worse than just her and her baby as bad as that is she was 23 year old uh, Ashery ryan she was on the way to a doctor's appointment with her boyfriend as far as i understand the father of that unborn child they also had a one-year-old baby in the car who also died oh my so, gosh so if i understand correctly that whole family of four wiped out yikes Investigators are looking into the driver Linton's blood work to determine if drugs or alcohol were a factor. I didn't see the commentary about the the breakup, but perhaps that is an explanation. Um, as far as the others injured, eight went to the hospital. Six were teens and one suffered major injuries, but it sounds like uh, those who were injured are expected to survive. An anonymous woman, this is a potential additional explanation or an additional factor in this LA Times report. An anonymous woman speaking with the LA Times claims that same Mercedes hit her car at a gas station just prior and that the car was on fire at the time and just drove on fire. That's what this lady is saying, but take that with a grain of salt. She's telling this to the paper anonymously in the footage. I don't see a car that's already on fire before it causes a fire, but maybe there was something wrong with the car before the crash. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why somebody would lie about that, but also it um doesn't seem very reasonable. It seems if like I a saw very... a car on fire driving around, I would uh, immediately call the police. It's a very well. She's saying that it happened right before, like it, it wasn't like even seconds before. Yeah, like the, this person drove away from hitting her car and then went and ran through that intersection. Maybe uh, shortly thereafter. Okay. Did you see the footage of the uh, Las Vegas smoke shop? Yeah. My God, I'm not going to show the footage because I don't think Susan will allow it. But um, I, I wish I could give this case a little bit more attention. We'll go through it quickly. Um, but but it fits. <laughs> Why am I laughing? It's just it's bad. God. I mean, it's, it's really bad. But at the same time, the more that we we soften our treatment of criminals and we've made it harder for citizens to defend themselves and defend their businesses, we're seeing these frequent cases of business owners taking their defense uh, into their own hands. Of course, I posted a video yesterday about the 80-year-old man in Norco, California, who defended his liquor store with a shotgun and outgunned mm. the armed robber who had an AR. Yes, that was pretty yeah. awesome. This time it's in Vegas. It's a smoke shop owner uh, defending himself and his store from an apparent robbery attempt. As I said, I can't show you the footage uh, because it's defense by blade, and I don't think Susan's going to allow that. But I will link the footage in the description. I'm sure many of you have seen it circulating over the Internet in the past couple of days. But on Wednesday, two masked robbers entered Smokestrom Smoke Shop. I think that's what it's called. Or it's misspelled and it's Smoke Storm. I don't know. I almost corrected that in the outline. OK, it says Smokestrom. It says Smokestrom in this New York Post piece. Um, but shop owner Johnny Wynn. That's how you say that. It's like a Vietnamese name, I think, or. Like Cambodia Is that how you say it? I think it's win. I think that's how that's pronounced. N-G-U-Y-E-N. It's one of those tricky ones. I'm going to go with Johnny Wynn. Okay. He was behind the counter. He's the guy you see here. And Wynn asks uh, why these guys who just came into his store, hey, why are you wearing masks? The two robbers don't really explain. Wynn asks them to leave and they casually say, nah. One says, let me take this. And he grabs the tip jar from the counter and just walks away. And Wynn offers them the money in the tip jar, but says he still wants the coins that are in the jar. The other robber jumps over the counter and behind it and Wynn pulls out a knife and repeatedly stabs that robber in the shoulder and the neck area. And if you watch the footage, the robber says, I'm dead, and then just goes limp. And Wynn drags him over to the door. Wynn then called the police. 
Now, as far as I understand, that robber who said I'm dead and was stabbed didn't, in fact, die. Um, at least as of the information, the information I'd seen as of uh, yesterday. Um, but Wynn tells the New York Post he was uh, scared for his life. The robbers were carrying something in a bag he thought could be a gun or another weapon. And I've seen plenty of legal minds all over Twitter um, saying that by the letter of the law, Wynn might actually be in trouble because lethal force at least in their viewing of the video was never necessarily presented against him. Um, so far, no indication of charges against Wynn, but investigation is, is ongoing. And I understand those, I'm not calling anybody out on Twitter. I understand that what the law says and what is right and wrong or moral or not are different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand why the legal technicalities may be a problem for Wynn in this case, but just in a layman sense, good. I'm, I'm glad yeah, to see it. Yeah. He has a right um, to protect his property. Also, if this acts as a deterrent, I'm fine living in that society. Well, the entire problem is we have so many criminals thinking there are no consequences for their abuse. You watch this footage. You can see these guys almost mocking him. They're so brazen about their open, broad daylight theft because they think there will be no problem. Even if they get caught by police, they'll probably be out to do the same thing tomorrow. It, it's going to take people getting serious about this for it to stop. That can either be the police or that can be the citizen defending himself or both. And I, I know the response out there is, well, what are you saying that you value property more than their lives? They went in there because they value his property more than their lives. They were willing to gamble their lives to take wins property. Who yeah. really values property over lives? If you value your life, don't go stealing other people's shit. How about that? Right. But, and as long as we uh, create the expectation that you're going to get stabbed, I think the people were people are going to stop doing that. Yeah. The problem you, is that in Seattle, you can just take a thousand dollars worth of merchandise. Nothing is ever going to happen to you. Same Where in California. This? Yeah. This was in uh, Vegas. So I don't know exactly what interest Nevada state law or potentially any local law might have to say about this. We're going to have to. But I've not seen an indication yet that Wynn is in trouble so far. He'll be okay. He did call police right after it happened too. And and I think he is the source of the release of the video, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he's trying to hide anything, um, but we'll see what happens to him. Meanwhile, um, well, WNBA player, Brittany Griner is, uh, she got the, she got the Russian book thrown at her on Thursday. She's sentenced to nine years for bringing illegal drugs into Russia by way of a hash oil vape pen in her bag. Back in February, the maximum sentence was 10 years. So many are viewing Griner's treatment as a uh, political move by Russia to get a peace to negotiate with against the Americans. For now, she's going to sit in a Russian penal colony. But of course, Mm. uh, negotiation to extract her is already underway. The Kremlin is apparently offering Washington uh, Griner and Paul Whelan, who's another American who's been imprisoned for years in Russia, in exchange for Victor Bout a Russian arms dealer currently serving 25 years. White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby told reporters within the last couple of days that the president has already personally signed off on this proposed deal of, of uh, bout for Griner and, um, and Whelan. Any, former, uh, any formal deal uh, is going to have to be uh, negotiated by Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Both have indicated they're willing to discuss, so we may see that very soon. Um, so, wheeling aside, uh, we are poised to trade a weapon. As far as I understand about this, this Victor, um, the the oh, what's his name? That's how much I understand about him. It's Victor what? 
Victor Bout. This Victor Bout Russian that we're holding, who's sentenced to 25 years. Uh, we're going to trade, apparently, a guy who is a weapon smuggler convicted of essentially plotting terrorist attacks against American citizens. Now, I, that's not me saying I know for a fact how legitimate this case was or not. I don't. I don't know all the facts. I do know he was convicted, and I know he was convicted on very serious charges. We're going to trade that guy, who is an apparent threat to this country, for Brittany Griner, who is a an okay female basketball player who smoked weed or brought weed into Russia. I'm not sure that's a not sure that's a great deal that we should sign on to. Um, and I get, as we've discussed previously, I get that we, ha- I, I think we do have a duty to help our citizens abroad, no matter what their Ugh, every citizen though dumbass personal persuasions are. She needs but, a lesson on uh, on her privilege as an American. We should let her rot. I don't give well, a shit. You know, it's uh, it's not even clear that she's suffering all that much. You know, people say she's going to rot in the gulag, but. After all, at least throughout the duration of her sentence, she's not going to have to hear the United States National Anthem, which That's was true. a very traumatic event for her in the past. She will be relieved of that trauma. So all things considered, it might not be that bad. However, we do have to think about the WNBA, too, because there are business interests to protect here. Early we estimates, must protect the WNBA. <laughs> early estimates are that if Griner is absent from the league, the WNBA stands to lose possibly hundreds of dollars in revenue. So <laughs> I know the economy is booming. I know the Biden boom is on, but won't somebody please think of the, the WNBA. And just in case you think that revenue estimate is unfair, consider the basketball skills at stake. This clip from 2015 was circulating this week. Uh, Brittany Griner attempting to dunk the ball live on sports center. Remember, this is one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player in the history of the WNBA. It's a cell phone recording of a TV, so I apologize for the quality, but you get the idea. Instead of Brittany Griner, a dunk for us here live. Go right ahead. Oh! We'll, we'll, we'll give her another shot. Hang on, just so we'll give her another shot. I, I, don't even, I don't even think I can touch the bottom of the net. All right, give us a good one. Here it comes, Brittany Griner again. Yeah, like, lace up the shoes, get them all ready. It's like back in the day with the deep brown Reebok pumps. You got to pump them up a little bit. Pump them up a little bit, right? It's yeah. so depressing. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's the pressure we put you on the spot. Her voice is deeper than his. Oh, God. I, I think Brittany Griner might be one of the Michael Robinsons. I <laughs> think Brit- yeah. Brittany Griner needs a, a, a check, a check in a certain... None of this tranny stuff has uh, infiltrated the WNBA. Have you noticed that? Well, I don't know. I, 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 for the moment, I will grant your point and say that Brittany Griner is a legitimate woman. Probably. Uh, but yeah, to your point, when is say a LeBron type person going to put on a wig and play in the WNBA? I look forward to that day. The black community is not accepting of transgender people. That's true. It probably is going to cause uh some conflict in certain constituencies of the league. Yeah. Yeah. They're not over the little Nas thing. I don't think they're ready for this. <laughs> We're going to find out sooner rather than later, I think. All right. Uh, oh, I, I was going to say, let's talk the real news. This is the real news that we have one more small item, just another episode from clown world. I couldn't believe this story when I saw the headline. Yeah. Uh, totally crazy. And it seems, okay. The, 
I'll talk about this and then I'll, I'll explain what the YMCA said. But this 80-year-old Washington State woman lived in the same town for 40 years. She got banned from using the local YMCA pool because she sees um, a dude escort some girls um, into the girls' locker room. And she's there. She's watching this whole thing, like peeking behind a shower curtain. Um, and then it's reported that he was helping one of them take off their bathing suits. But that's disputed. Um, and then she peeks out and she's like, do you have a penis? She, <laughs> good for she you, old lady. Out- from where? where behind a curtain oh she was like in the locker room yeah shower yeah or and something. then the the dude was like um it's none of your business and then she, and then the old lady was like get out of here right now and then it ended up that she was reported to the ymca and then they kicked her out um not permanently but for uh, like other kind of disturbances but they were non-specific i'm sure it was just because not per- she can go back how long is the no, I'm, she's she's banned, but oh. the YMCA released all these statements like, oh, well, it's not permanent. It didn't really have – this was just the icing on the cake. This didn't really have to do with everything. Or, this was you know. the peak of that grandma's misbehavior. Was Yeah, but said, they didn't hey. say anything about what she had done um, previously specifically. Yeah. So I, I'm very skeptical of this. But, you know, good for her. You're an 80-year-old woman. You've been in the same town for 40 years, and, like, you you can't stop – a tranny from undressing a little girl in in a locker room like are we going to allow this as a society obviously what's going to happen is uh these kids are going to start getting raped so one of the ymca employees that was interviewed by the police said that this old lady said to the tranny um the next thing you're going to do is you're going to stick your dick in these little girls (laughs) okay she denies this. she said she doesn't talk like that because she's an 80 year old woman but i hope she said that <laughs> Good for her. Uh yeah, well I hope she's successful in her in her intervention because the point is taken. Um whatever's going on here, it does not lead to positive outcomes for those young women. Uh if uh poor outcomes have not already been realized. Uh anyway. what's the point of even being old if you can't, you know, do stuff like this? Yeah. Well, hey, uh speaking of hopeless old people. Ah, uh, just Solid. in time for the Senate to vote on his uh, significant presidential achievement, uh, the now mansion and cinema uh, cinema uh, supported Inflation Reduction Act. Apparently, Joe Biden's vaccines have finally kicked in and he has tested negative for coronavirus, not just once again, but twice again. Yesterday, he tested negative and this morning he did again. So he's now clear to return from isolation. Biden told reporters that he uh, was feeling good or is feeling good. He says, after 18 days, I'm clear. So now you can be quadruple vaccinated and still carry the virus longer than the original 14 days to slow the spread. Just to be (laughs) clear about where we are in this uh, whole saga. How non-threatening is this virus that it didn't even knock out Joe Biden? Well, yeah, that's they they locked you down. They ruined your business. They took your kid out of school. Your mom had to die alone. Your grandma had to die alone. And and it's all over a virus that isn't even threatening enough to take out this feeble old man. Mm-hmm. Of course, Joe Biden did test positive for coronavirus many times throughout the week. But that's great. He would have died at least five times this week had he not been vaccinated. And I got to be in fairness to his uh, vigor. We all know he is very good at push-up contests, so he might just be tougher than uh, than we think when it comes to coronavirus. Oh God! He said, "Listen, Jack. Listen, Mister Virus. I challenge you. Push-up contest at dawn. Apparently, he he was uh, victorious." 
Also, just a reminder of how much of a joke this entire virus has been and how not serious the people who forced it upon you uh, actually are about it. The Senate has apparently or did apparently adopt a don't test, don't tell policy to pass this Inflation Reduction Act monstrosity. So, of course, recall that to pass this bill, Democrats needed everybody, all 50 of their members, plus Kamala, uh, Kamala Harris, healthy, ready to vote. They couldn't have a single missing person, uh, which means they surely can't have anybody testing positive for coronavirus. Right. So they adopted this don't test, don't tell policy, at least according to a report from Puck News saying one senior aide told the, that source, quote, they're not going to delay if a member has COVID. Counterparts are saying that they're not going to test anymore. It's not an official mandate, but we all know we're not letting COVID get in the way. This deal is happening. Less testing. Just wear masks and get it done. So again, for their business, Corona is no obstacle. Just completely ignore it. Don't test at all. It's only your business that has to be shut down and take massive losses over this uh, oh, insanity. Lord. Cinema agreed to sign on to this bill because she negotiated the dropping of the carried interest provision that we discussed last week. So that's out of the bill. Recall that would have um, reclassified how investment managers earnings on investment returns are classified either as long term or short term capital gains, which changes the rate at which they're taxed. But that's out the window now because of cinema. So all night the Senate had uh, they'd been in Votorama mode, as they call it, otherwise known as the amendments process in which Republicans tried to stall the effort by offering all sorts of amendments, try to put Democrats on the hook for voting either for or against certain things. Democrats did the same thing to Republicans. They went on for 15 hours until the vote on the full bill happened today at about 3.30 Eastern time. The vote, as expected, was 51 to 50, with Kamala Harris breaking a Senate tie split, as expected, along party lines. So, yes, soon the uh, hundreds of billions of dollars in Obamacare subsidies, uh, green energy and a supercharged IRS will turn the inflation faucet off. Uh, again, no word on the uh, time that inflation is scheduled to turn off. But of course, that can't happen until the House passes it and uh, Biden signs the bill. Only then does the inflation officially reduce the House is expected to pass the bill as early as Friday, at which point uh, Biden is expected to sign it. Now, you can uh, take a common sense understanding that more government uh, taxation and more government spending on progressive priorities is likely not going to reduce inflation. Uh, you could take the opinion of a whole host of nonpartisan institutions who study this sort of thing, and they say mm -hmm. it's not going to reduce inflation or um, you could listen to even Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders said during the debate, the impact of this bill on inflation is expected to be minimal. I'm going to take a moment to say a few words about the so-called Inflation Reduction Act that we are debating uh, this evening. And I say so-called, uh, by the way, because according to the CBO and other economic organizations who have studied this bill, it will, in fact, have a minimal impact on inflation. Yeah. Uh, in fairness to Bernie, though, he, uh, of course, means that this bill is not commie enough. He wants <laughs> yeah, to, really. Everything needs to be free and inflation is illegal. Anybody who so much as uh, blows up a balloon goes straight to the gulag under his version of the bill. Uh, so it's not for the same reasons that he agrees that this bill is not going to be successful against inflation, though. At the end of uh, at the end of the debate, he agrees with the conclusion that um, 
that it's not going to have any effect. And honestly, not having any effect on inflation is optimistic. The reality is the more money you spend in this way and the more you punish producers, the worse inflation is going to get. Just breaking even on inflation would actually be kind of a win in this context. And yeah, I don't know how they could possibly expect that with everything that was uh, written into the bill. Uh, clearly, they're not expecting to reduce inflation. Yeah, it's, it's, we, the we, exact, it's the exact mix of all the stupid progressive priorities that just so happens to cut down on oil prices for some reason. If we just build enough solar panels, prices are going to go down at the pump. And perhaps you wonder, uh, hey, uh, won't all this funny money spending devalue the dollar even more and uh, lead to even more inflation? And hey, won't uh, increase taxes, even if they are only on major corporations and tax cheats, as they tell you to sell this bill. Uh, won't those increased taxes be costs that are passed on to the consumer? Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked about that. Hey, how confident are you that these increased taxes won't lead to higher costs for consumers? Uh, she says she can't answer that question. This corporate tax increase to a minimum of 15%. How confident is the president that the companies will not pass that cost on to people in the form of higher prices? It is uh, important to just for people to pay their friction. We're talking about tens of billions of dollars of profit. I cannot speak to your question that you're asking me. I cannot speak to that. What I can speak is to this legislation and why it's so important. Hmm. What a non-answer as usual. Well, the important thing is that she's the first lesbian black immigrant to give that non-answer. So <laughs> right. Just uh, keep the priorities in perspective. And just remember, when you're getting ranked at the pump and at the grocery store, it's important that you pay your fair share. And these people are the masters of defining what a fair share for you to pay is. And they have determined with their fancy calculators that a rate of about 10% year on year in inflation is your fair share. Though, of course... That's going to come down because they took a bunch of rich people's money and spent it on wind turbines. Yeah, uh, exactly. you can you can bet on that. It's going to come down very quickly. Yeah, apparently. Um, I mean, I guess we should talk about this jobs report. Now. I was Biden reading about boom. this today. The Biden boom. This jobs report, I was finding all the ways it could probably be bullshit, but it generally does seem like it's positive. Hmm. Well, I have uh, I have one piece of analysis that says it, there's a lot of bullshit in it, but I'm no expert in this. So perhaps that analysis is flawed. I will say that uh, jobs are a lagging indicator on employment as well. So it doesn't really have anything to do with us being in a recession. I don't know why people are acting like this jobs report is some kind of broad refutation of our clear, uh, the, the, clearly being in a recession. Oh right? no, it means there is no recession. <laughs> So 528,000 jobs added last month. That was more than double market expectations. Fastest pace of hiring since February. And it seems that we are at February 2020 levels of employment. So basically a reversal of the pandemic. However, I would like to see a more detailed breakdown of where these jobs are and how they fit in with people's existing education level. I'm not totally convinced that people are getting jobs that match their skill set. Um, yeah, and, yeah that, and I still think that people are working two part-time jobs. That and that perhaps, number, there's reason to believe that. And that number uh, about the workforce being allegedly the same size as mm. before Corona is a little misleading. I think they're saying the raw number as opposed uh, as opposed to the labor force participation rate, which actually declined. Really? Yeah, that actually declined ah, again. I'll get into that in a minute. Something. 
because again, a raw number can be large, but as a percentage of what is the question? And if we have an increasing population or we have more people that's eligible true. to work, a larger number as a raw number can be deceiving. I think that's part of the the issue here. Well, I think that some of the answer also is in this uh, shift to the different sectors. So there are yeah. one million more jobs in the professional and business service sector. Hmm. So what does that really mean? Professional and business service. Is that fucking marketing jobs? Is it jobs that, that are really improving the economy, improving people's quality of life? Probably not. But then 41,000 more jobs in manufacturing, which, of course, would have a positive impact. Mm -hmm. But we already were having major manufacturing problems by February 2020. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Something that is negative about this, hourly earnings up 0.5% um, and are up 5.2% over the past year, but that's clearly not enough to keep up with inflation. Yeah, you've maybe cut it in half. Um, yeah. But you're still underwater as far as your, your earnings and your purchasing power. Okay, so tell me why this is probably bullshit. This is oh, reassuring because well, I was first, reading this and I was like, hmm. First, I have to tell you why uh, it's not a recession at all. <laughs> New York Times ran the headline. The jobs report suggests President Biden is right about a recession. <laughs> and I thought, wow, okay. Uh, what's the piece of analysis that says that's the case other than lots of jobs, so many jobs. You can't walk down the street without someone throwing a job at you. Yeah. Give me a piece of analysis here. And I scroll down. It's really just repetition of the things Biden has said. The closing paragraph here. He and his aides have repeatedly said in recent weeks that the current pace of job creation is out of step with the jobs numbers in previous recessions and proof that a contraction in GDP does not mean the country is mired in a downturn. But even that sentence doesn't make any sense. If, a if recession we're using, is a downturn. And if we're using more people to make less stuff and provide less services, that's still not good. It's why, inefficient. Yeah. Why, so why are we seeing that? We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, first, CNN's John Harwood says the same. He says the debate about whether we are in a recession uh, or not is silly. Uh, the jobs report is clearly proof that we are not. Politically, at this moment, this is a very good report for President Biden. First of all, we had a couple of weeks ago a silly extended debate over whether or not we were in a recession. Uh, these numbers make pretty clear we are not in a recession. You don't add half a million jobs when in a recessionary environment. Uh, it makes it more likely that that first quarter GDP number is going to get revised up and not be negative as it was in the initial hmm. report. Well, if the debate is silly, then why do you care about revising the numbers that said it was a recession? <laughs> is he saying they're going to retroactively revise GDP so that we were no longer in a recession after we lived through a recession? But also the debate about whether we're in a recession is silly and not of any concern. But we're going to fix the numbers so that we definitely weren't. Yikes. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure those numbers will be revised for uh, objective an analytical uh, reasons, not for the purpose of protecting um, whatever remains of a failing presidency. Um, but the questions remain and to get back to the, what you were asking about, just remove the speculation. The facts today are that, are that we have seen declining GDP for the first half of the year. In other words, the economy is smaller for the first half of the year. We made less stuff. We provided less services. That's what a recession generally means. Uh, we also know, as I mentioned that the, um, the labor force participation rate has not in fact recovered to where it was before Corona hit. So 
in February 2020, we're at 63.4% labor force participation rate. Again, this is the amount of adults who could work, who are working. And we saw uh, that rate climb back to 62.4% by March, but we've actually declined since then. Now in July, we're down to 62.1. That's actually down from June too and May. We've gone 62.3, 62.2, 62.1 in the last three months. So uh, if, if we have uh, this declining labor force participation, um, how is it that we have that we have all of these uh, these jobs, so many jobs that uh, anybody who, who wants one can have one. That's the biggest indicator of a successful economy is how many jobs are being created. Um, well, how is it that we're, we're creating all these jobs and yet making less stuff um, with those jobs and actually fewer people are working those jobs? Now, part of it is because we're measuring different things at different times, like you're saying, uh, where we're looking at a labor force participation right. rate that is uh, – that's not actually caught up to today. We have the numbers through July, but when we look at this decline, we're actually talking about earlier in the summer. I guess, you know, the, the July numbers are the July numbers, but we've been seeing this decline for a little while. And so there's, they're not exactly on the same time frame. but one of the more obvious explanations for why we're seeing this happen is that people, as you mentioned, are working multiple jobs to make ends meet. And this is a possible explanation for it, at least. This is what Peter Schiff was saying on, on Twitter earlier uh, this week. He says that most of these new jobs are going to people who already have jobs. If the labor market was actually strong, he says one job would be enough and workers wouldn't uh, be desperate to do more. So that's a possible explanation that you actually have more jobs, but the same or even fewer number of workers actually performing those jobs, which right. is, in fact, not good. You don't right. want people having to work two jobs, three jobs to buy bread. You want people to work one job and have a content life where they're able to provide for themselves with some degree of leisure, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit of uh, wiggle room and a little bit of time off, that sort of thing. Now, another factor or partial explanation, um, perhaps the numbers are just wrong or misleading or they're just bad estimates. This is an analysis by Sam Callahan on Twitter. I thought was interesting. He notes as part of this analysis that um, unemployment also dropped to 3.5% in July, in addition to this 528,000 new jobs number. However, the way we measure those things, uh, the, um, the, the number of jobs and the unemployment rate, they're actually a product of two different serve, uh, surveys. So unemployment rate is the household survey. Payrolls are a survey of business and government employers. Right. And we get the half a million jobs number. That's from a payroll survey, government and business employers. Uh, if we look at the household survey of jobs instead of the payroll surveys, that says jobs are up about 158,000. Which is below the target. It would be, yeah. Um, so like 100,000 below the target, yeah. In, in other words, looking at the two different surveys here, payrolls are saying that the labor market is over three times stronger than households were saying in July. So which one is the true number or is the truth somewhere in between? Well, we have to understand how these things are are measured. Uh, the difference in the surveys is different methodologies. So the payroll survey, that's the survey of employers, that is actually an estimation of jobs created when they say that it's this 500,000 number. They're not necessarily counting jobs. They're doing a survey of X amount of businesses and they're making estimations based on the data they gather in an, using a methodology that also considers retroactive information, historical data. So part of that estimation is what is called the birth death factor. Okay. This is an adjusted, an adjustment that estimates the number of jobs created or destroyed 
by businesses that were started or closed. That adjustment factor, again, it's theoretical. Mm. It's not counting. It's not asking, hey, how many, hey, McDonald's over there, how many jobs did you create? This is a theoretical adjustment based in part on historical data. It's calculated looking at previous year's tax filings, assuming that the same or a similar number of businesses opened and closed this year compared to last year. Last year. That is so sneaky. Yeah. So in other words, um, the jobs number is an estimation that is made in part using this historical data. Uh, However, of course, we know that Mm. the uh, economy has just entered a recession, no matter what CNN tells you or um, whatever you want to call it. It's likely or at least plausible that more businesses than usual will be closing. So at least according to this analysis, during the turning points in a business cycle like this, the birth death factor tends to underestimate the number of businesses closing and overestimate the total number of businesses being created that would extend to jobs lost and jobs created. Okay, that's a lot of methodological explanation. The question is, well, how much does that adjustment factor actually account for this jobs report? Are we talking it's like 10,000 jobs or something small? According to this analysis, the birth the birth death factor accounts for 309,000 jobs Ooh, of the 528. So if you subtracted that, the number, uh, according to the payroll survey, would be 219,000 jobs created. And what was in the July. target, 258? Something like that. And of course, the, uh, the household survey says it was something more like 158. Oh, it was employers of 528. Double. Yeah. Um, wow. I thought it could all be attributed by people working multiple jobs that were unskilled labor compared to their. Um, but they, you know, they do that exact. We've talked about this so many times. But we, they do the exact same thing with the labor participation rate and the unemployment rate. The, the bottom Just line the here, books on this and I'm sure and I say this, you know, check the analysis, check what I'm saying, because I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, I am the world's foremost economic analyst and I understand the methodologies of these measurements uh, front to back. I don't necessarily you should check this. But I think the bottom line thing to think about is when we're looking at these jobs reports, we're dealing with government estimates. Mm-hmm. Government estimates have incentives. And if these numbers seem at odds with what's right in front of your eyes. There's probably a reason for that. Uh, And I would just, I would, I would be a little skeptical of some of the methodology in play here. Well, is job creation even an accurate indication that an economy is healthy and growing? Because you would have to think that obsolete industries would be shuttering their businesses at somewhat of a, not an equal rate, but yeah. but at a substantial rate enough that it would cut into new job growth. Well, you can envision a situation in which new, very poor quality jobs are created and actually our quality of life is decreased despite an increase in right. jobs or available jobs. Right, right. So, like um, auto manufacturing in the United States, which used to be the uh, central manufacturing plant in various cities that are now totally destitute being replaced by um, like working these terrible jobs at Amazon where they run you into the ground and everybody's spent at six months. Yeah. So uh, we will, we'll find Democrats think they're rolling into the mid, all the jobs numbers and the inflation reduction act. Everybody can't wait to run out and vote for Democrats in combination with their abortion rage. I know. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how much uh, people are convinced by this. That is enlightening but, uh, because uh, I did some of my research on Breitbart and even they were like, this is a 
really solidly positive jobs report. Hmm. Well, perhaps it is. You know, I, I want what's good for this country more than I want I'm sure embarrassment right. for Joe Biden. I don't, it's not like no, I want bad news. No, but it's not, it's not news, believable you know? based on what yeah. we're experiencing on the ground here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, it, it seems at odds with a lot of other indicators. That's the only Right. So it's a relief when you hear that it's actually bullshit because it makes you feel like, oh, OK, I, I'm just being gaslighted. <laughs> That's what's it's, happening. It's a here. fair bet these days. And yeah. I'll emphasize again, I hope that the jobs report is strong. I hope everybody who wants an awesome job can have one. I want that more than I want Joe Biden's failure for my own political gratification. Uh, I just have to see it play out. I see numbers but on a screen. That's not it. I, I don't want these leftist policies to have the appearance of effectiveness, no. social, economic, or otherwise. It's very damaging. They need to be failures for everybody to see well, that, <laughs> because they are. I think in this context, as in many others, appearances are their game. Okay. It's not, uh, it's not reality. It's not substance and reality that is their strong suit. It's just about branding and appearances even if what is branded or made to appear a certain way is a complete pile of crap. That's true, but, but they're not going to convince that. anybody who's unemployed, whose peers are unemployed, and then we're paying $5 at the gas pump. They're not going to convince us that jobs are plentiful, gas is cheap, and we're not in a recession. Like, <laughs> they're you, trying. You can't, you can't tell trying. me that. Well, you have so much breathing room on gas. over the, It's 50 days of declining prices. Haven't you heard? It's great news. Um, Yikes. All right. Well, we do have a lengthy interview with um, with Robert Barnes, so I want to allow plenty of time for that. Before we get to that, we should probably uh, catch up with a few chats and then oh, maybe yeah, we'll get sure. to his interview right at the top of the hour, as I'd hoped for. I wish I could have joined you guys. I just got back from my trip like a few hours before the show. Yeah, so. we had. Uh, it, it is just me and Barnes. We had, of course, planned for Blonde to join, which is why we recorded it just a few hours uh, ago. This hour. I had Barnes a traveling and, snafu. I'm yeah. sort of amazed I made it back today, but but yeah. I made it. But, um, um, but yeah, so perhaps we will have uh, Barnes or Viva back when we are both able to make it. But for, sure. for this one, it was just me and Barnes. Uh, Daniel Kunkel, life insurance companies claim the deaths have an unexplainable, I read about this, uh, unexplainable increase by 40% in 18 to 49 year olds. Since 2021, cancer deaths, blood clots all have skyrocketed. If only there was a common factor. Yes. And we can all uh, surmise what this is about without stating it. I wonder uh, where suicide and drug addiction are in on this. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at some of that. I've seen the headlines, but I haven't seen the numbers. And uh, it would line up with uh, other data of that theme I've seen that, uh, yeah, even if you believe the corona numbers, um, deaths of other unexplained varieties have also increased. Sacrifice the old for, or save the old to sacrifice the young. That's what we've done. Um, Robin D. Banks, Matt Nice once made love in the U.S. Senate, said he needed to use up billions of swimmers to reduce my uh, my stomach's inflation. I tried to explain that's not how it works, but he had already passed it. Gross. I guess what I just have to say to you is, are you gay? Okay. Robin D. Banks is a woman. I don't care. She's gay. She's super gay. Um, Big Dyke. I bought PN. No note. Thank you, sir. As always. Thank you, I bought. Appreciate it. Uh, Holden Mulray. Bonsoir. Bons- bon- we love bon- you. You're bon- very special. <laughs> I hope that the sounder um, just went over what I just bon- said. Bonsoir or whatever bon- it was. Swear. Yeah. Bonsoir, mi ami. Oh, there but the are. wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. Open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That's James 317. Mm. Open to reason. I like that. Mm. Um, Son of the Wolf. Did you all see the video of the vape smoke shop clerk redacted the hell out of that robber with a pair of scissors? I nearly wet myself. From- it was scissors? 
Oh, I thought it was a knife, but it might have been scissors. Huh. Some sort of blade instrument. Yeah. We might have to issue a groveling retraction. I I don't know. The New York Times or New York Post story I read. I could go look at that. Let's see. Bastards. Why don't you you look? Or why don't you you keep reading? and I'll Long see if John. It here. Remember how we call Alex Jones the canary in the internet censorship coal mine? This is the next step. Speak up now or you or your favorite creators will be next. I know. I know. They um, said as much at the trial. We want to punish him and people like him was a paraphrase yeah. of the quote. Jeez. AP, my wife and I celebrate our third wedding anniversary tomorrow. We're beyond thankful to reach this point and have our little Ben to help us celebrate. Apparently, Christian Mingle does work. Who knew? Wow. Love you, Kayla. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations, guys. That's great. Um, I do not see mention of scissors in either oh, okay, the New York Post story or uh, additional coverage. Although I could be wrong. I just want to make sure we didn't get the story wrong. Not that I'm trying to prove the chatter wrong, but I don't see a scissor mention. Boogeyman 917. I doubt it. Seems apropos here, given the Inflation Reduction Act passed. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of things to doubt these days. I doubt it. David C. Hey, guys. Never get to see live. Uh, love you. What do you guys think about the Libertarian Party? I recently joined to try and do something and curious about what you thought. Hmm. Um, heard the leader, Tim, and decided to join. Um, I We've talked about this before. I mean, I, I've heard that the Libertarian Party is revamping its um, what is Aleppo uh, type <laughs> of uh, reputation. That wasn't even his worst uh, infraction. What was worse than that? When he said that you should force the baker to bake the cake. That was oh, the worst. Yeah. Gary Johnson had a lot of moments, though. <laughs> I know he's not representative fair. of the Libertarian Party, but there is this reputation of um, individual freedom above cultural integrity that I, I deeply disagree with. Five years ago, I would have agreed with this, but I just I just can't see how um, how individualism, like fierce individualism like that isn't detrimental to cultural cohesion it has to be um paired with a solid moral foundation a solid moral framework that exists outside of it and that's why i frankly i love it as a political philosophy as a philosophy about government how government ought to operate but there is a strong portion of the community and i'm not saying the party the community that at least from from my judgment seems to think that as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else, that all behavior or all choices are of equal value. That's right, clearly right. not the case. And the party, I mean, I, I hope that the party becomes awesome. And I don't know a lot about the internals of the party. So I, I don't want to say that I oppose them in knee jerk fashion. But Gary Johnson was not a great candidate. Joe Jorgensen was not a great not candidate. A great she candidate, was yeah. like, she was supporting Black Lives Matter because of. I guess, anti-police sentiment from what I gather. And I understand that obviously part of being libertarian is skepticism of authority. And I'm, I fully believe that police should be scrutinized. I'm not opposed to that. But when you're teaming up with actual avowed Marxists on that goal, that's too much of a compromise on principle for me to say that I can get behind something like that. And there, nobody in the libertarian party is talking about a moratorium on immigration. Like you could really can institute a vast array of political ideologies amongst a populace of um, homogenous, responsible individuals. So I, I, I think that like there's some more leeway if, if there's no immigration, but they're talking about like things that would destroy society and still allowing immigration. It's like, this is never going to work. Well, ever. the chatter is going to fix the libertarian party and then I'll sign up. So yeah, really good um, luck. I look forward to it. <laughs> 
We had to talk about that for like 20 minutes. Do you want to circle back? Yeah. Let me catch up with just a few on Tippy's room. We'll get to Robert Barnes here. Um, Phil. Oh, wait. John. No, wait. No, Phil is up first. Uh, New Englanders. There is a Phil. I thought Phil was in the Southeast. Now he's in New England. Phil just travels everywhere. New Englanders. There is a meetup planned August 4th. um, No, planned for August 20th. Sorry. August 20th is the meetup. In Wells, Maine, the location is called the Steakhouse, and the plan is to meet around 530. I'm on Discord at Phil88, P-H-I-L-88. No feds, please. We have no interest in kidnapping any governors or buying or selling short-barreled rifles. Phil also says, I, for one, would love if Griner is left to rot. I know the more principled among us will have problems with, uh, with that, but consider this. She hates you and everything you value. It's high time to quit saving uh, magic Americans. <laughs> what, what is a ma- That's a new one to me, Phil. High time to quit saving Brittany Griners from themselves. Uh, let's see. Oh, and uh, Phil, if you want to send me an email and anybody who's interested in this New England uh, meetup in Maine, you can also send me an email. I'll connect you guys. Um, I got to think of a more efficient way to do that email connection. That's I'll put that on my list of things to do long term. But for now, send me an email. I'll make the connection. Trav to the world says property is not worth a human life, but the concept of property rights is worth a human life. The number of human lives saved by the consequences of property rights is astronomical. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Unrelated. Uh, what's the protocol in a movie vote tie? You know, you probably exposed a flaw in the system. I think we get a Kamala Harris tiebreaker. It's. We, well, we can't have both of us break a tie because then we could tie. So what would we do? We'll have to think about that. We'd have to throw it back to the audience again. Yeah, maybe. Phil also Dangerous says, spaces can be the tie right Yeah, maybe we, we'll give him that benefit. Phil also says, did you see the story about the Georgia... Uh, Georgia people of an alternative lifestyle arrested <laughs> for using children they bought as toys for I saw, kitty Yeah, porn. I saw that. If anything, Rick Santorum was too optimistic about his predictions years ago. I didn't, I I just saw the headline. I didn't see the details. I did see it earlier today though. Uh, Cock Zucker says, Matt and I once made love and Bernie Sanders got in on it too. He didn't uh, make much of an impact, but you better believe there was a lot of inflation. Okay. Uh, We will, uh, we will come back to your chats Later Um, in the show, I'll have to just circle back with you before we do get to Robert Barnes. I just want to give a little bit of context to the interview uh, because, of course, uh, let me get my Alex Jones story up here. So the the story um, as of yesterday is that uh, Alex Jones has been ordered to pay nearly 50 million dollars in compensatory and punitive damages to the parents of Sandy uh, of, of a Sandy Hook victim uh, on the grounds that his statements that Sandy Hook was fake. Uh, that those statements caused the family tens of millions of dollars in emotional distress. That's really the uh, the nature of the lawsuit. So I don't understand how that squares with um, with free speech rights. And so to explain all of that and why this is a case, uh, why this case is a threat to all of our rights uh, and not just Alex Jones. That's why Robert Barnes is uh, joining us to uh, give us that explanation. So it is a, um, a fairly good length interview. It's about 25 minutes. We get into plenty of detail. So enjoy that. And we will see you on the other side.
and welcome back. We are pleased to host our guest for the evening. That's constitutional civil rights and criminal tax lawyer, legal analyst and co-host of the second best Sunday Internet stream. That's Robert Barnes. Thanks for making time for us. Glad to be here. Well, I'm very glad to speak with you finally. I've appreciated your work from afar for some time. And I'm having you on because, uh, well, you understand the Alex Jones trial and I simply do not. So starting with the whole thing in concept, really, I'm going to ask you to explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old and I hope that that won't be uh, an insult to your intellect. But I guess from, from the outsider perspective, I don't understand how saying something is fake, which is the nature of the allegation. Alex Jones said, uh, Sandy Hook is fake. How that is, I'm unclear if it's actionable defamation in this case or it's intentional infliction of emotional distress. But to me, that sounds like an opinion. I thought this was America. We're still entitled to an opinion. Um, am I missing something here? Is there something more specific than just the opinion that Sandy Hook was fake? No, there isn't. Uh, I mean, they brought defamation and intentional infliction of emotional distress claims. And they're what they're really doing is setting trying to set aside Supreme Court precedent. There's the uh, the Hustler case, the Falwell versus Hustler, as well as the Westboro Baptist case, Snyder. And in both of those cases, Supreme Court said an idea, an opinion about an idea that doesn't involve making a factual, a specific factual claim about a specifically identified individual is protected by the First Amendment and is not grounds for suit under either defamation or emotional distress claims. The court in Austin uh, just and Connecticut just eviscerated that. Now, the court in Connecticut never even ruled on it because first the court in Connecticut said they didn't like some of his speech on his show. So they were going to deny him all rights to raise that issue before the court. Um, and the courts in Texas, uh, and then both courts ultimately defaulted them, but the, uh, on grounds that have never been done before. So they've used procedural shenanigans to generally get around the fact that this is a patently unconstitutional claim being brought. And it's, it's what they're trying to establish is a new precedent, which says you say something controversial about a high profile topic that offends or upsets somebody within a legally protected zone, which is basically saying a legally protected safe space, they can now sue you into oblivion. Yeah. I want, excuse me. I want to get into uh, some of those implications just for you know guys like you and me, but really anybody who wants to say something on the internet. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute because uh, I mean, that's, that's what I'm most worried about personally, of course, but I really want to uh, beforehand focus on, on some of these, uh, I suppose you might call them constitutional violations. I saw on Twitter that that you did. Um, and so let's get into that because you had tweeted um, you had tweeted earlier this week, hate Alex Jones all you want, but no one should uh, welcome a trial that violates the first, punishes speech about the second, ignores due process under the fifth, uh, denies trial by jury under the seventh and violates attorney client privilege. Can you explain some of some more of those specifics? Because I, I, I haven't watched how the what we just saw was, of course, the the. Um, the damages that were awarded. But as far as how this developed prior to that, I, I didn't follow that very closely. Yeah, I mean, it's extraordinary. Basically, if there was a right 
to be implicated or to be violated. In Alex Jones's case, it was. They have there's now an Alex Jones exception to the First Amendment, an Alex Jones exception to the Second Amendment, an Alex Jones exception to the Fourth Amendment, an Alex Jones exception to the Fifth, the Sixth, the Seventh Amendment, and their state analog provisions under the Connecticut and Texas constitutions, which have the same rights in their own state constitutions as the state court proceedings. So in this context, they've complete like historically constitutionally, it's called colloquium which is that you can't be sued for defamation or emotional distress claims unless you make a specific factual claim about a specifically identified individual. Alex Jones never even talked about anybody who is suing him by name ever. Did they Didn't make identify. the claim that he did? I was reading through their uh, some of the some of the legal filings and I didn't see everything, but I didn't see a specific accusation like that. Yeah, there wasn't. And that's because he never talks about any of these people. So what they're saying is, and this was the legal theory the Texas Court of Appeals adopted and accepted, was did you say something controversial about a topic? Were there people who could get emotionally upset by your opinion about that topic? If uh, Could somebody identify who those people were if they Google searched them? Those people can then sue, even if there's hundreds of them. And historically, that's never been allowed. And it's called class libel claims are not allowed in America. You have to the the classic example is a New York case. And there was two New York cases. They went in and they talked about a big department store and they said everybody in this section is a liar. And they also said it about another section. Well, one of the sections of the store they talked about only had like eight employees. And the court said, you know what? That's sufficiently few number of people that somebody might really think, probably does likely think if that statement was about you individually. They also said it about like the men's sales, uh, suit sales. And there was apparently like a hundred of them in there. And they're like, there's no way they thought that statement was about you individually because there's too many in there. So that happened in the Kentucky Fried Chicken case, famously in Kentucky. And they're like, hmm. Kentucky Fried Chicken can't sue. There's too many departments. They don't know which store they're talking about. Yeah, it's it's defamation or emotional distress by inference, or there's a there's a leap there. It's not Completely. a specific claim about this person. I suppose it it might be one thing if Alex Jones had made the claim these parents are specifically are crisis actors who faked the whole thing. There's a claim of fact there about a specific person, and from afar, I guess I had assumed that there was some sort of claim like that, but I just. I just don't yeah, see it. And that's what's so worrisome about this case. Yeah. And that, that's what was extraordinary. Like, if you go to some of the questions being asked in the deposition of Alex Jones, and he took many, many, many people keep saying he didn't participate in discovery. He sat for hundreds of hours of deposition time just himself, not to mention everyone else. But they're asking questions like, don't you think, you know, you can be sued if you questioned how many shooters there were, because that could upset somebody who's related to the victim. It's like, hold on a second. So now you can't question who's guilty or not. Yeah. You can't question who may be innocent. You can't question any aspect of a government approved, media approved, gatekeeper approved narrative, or you now can get sued into oblivion for upsetting someone. Because like take even even if he had said, say, these about the parents, but he made a specific statement identifying the parents under American law. That's still, there were still too many people. The because generally the rule has been a rule of 25, loosely speaking. In other words, you it, it has to be a group of 20. So when, when I sued for the Covington kids, they were actually identified by image in the photos. Mm -hmm. And I was suing on behalf of less than 12 of them. So that was within the grounds by which you're allowed to sue. If I it, let's say I was suing for anybody that was at the right to life march that was uh, within the age group or anybody that was in the entire extended group of students of other non-Covington kids that were there, they wouldn't allow me to sue. 
yet they, they, they just eliminated that rule as well. So they just scrapped all the First Amendment limitations that have ever existed on causes of action. And really what they're trying to do is make it illegal to have what they call conspiracy theories in America. If you have a conspiracy hmm. theory, meaning you have a theory about an event that is not in agreement with the government's narrative, the official media narrative, then anybody offended and upset within a zone of danger can sue you into oblivion. And that's why it's so dangerous on a First Amendment. And then this was speech about the Second Amendment. And that's how the Second Amendment is implicated. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't even get to the Fourth Amendment privacy violations that were, were routine and recurrent here, including attorney-client privilege violations, which have Fourth Amendment implications. Doesn't even cover the Fifth Amendment due process violations. He was denied rights to bring motions to dismiss, rights to bring appeals, rights to bring anti-slap motions, rights to bring uh, summary judgment motions, uh, right to bring directed verdict motions, stripped of every single one of them in some capacity by a, at least a court involved in this process. Sixth Amendment rights to both counsel and confrontation. He wasn't allowed to confront his accusers on many of the key facts relevant to the case. What was denied he on multiple times People wondered, like, why did he have these particular lawyers? It's because every time an out-of-state lawyer appeared, they either tried to get them kicked out or did get them removed from the case. He mm. wasn't allowed to have his lawyer of choice. And then the big one, the Seventh Amendment right to trial by jury, protected under both state constitutions as well, he was denied that entirely. He was declared guilty, and every time he declared himself innocent, they used that as grounds to declare him more guilty. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about that discovery? Because the pushback I see is, yes, at this, um, at the at the damages portion of this, Alex Jones was presumed guilty because he was declared guilty by this default judgment, if I understand correctly. And they're saying he had the opportunity to defend himself. He uh, surrendered that when he failed to participate in discovery. Is that accurate, or what? What's what are the specifics of that accusation? So constitutionally. Courts are not allowed to use what's called in Texas the death penalty sanction outside of extreme, extraordinary and exceptional circumstances because it's taking away somebody's constitutionally protected right, both under the federal constitution through the 14th Amendment applied to the states and in these contexts, the state constitution as well. So for those people, so default is usually reserved and has to be legally to people who never show up in court, never file an answering proceeding, never participate in discovery, never show up for a hearing. And even then, in those cases, they're usually afforded multiple opportunities to still have a trial by jury. If they come in at any point or at any stage prior to final judgment, they can usually go in and set aside a prior judgment on those grounds. Here, uh, none of that happened. Alex Jones participated in more discovery than almost anybody will find in any comparable case in American history. Compared to, say, what the New York Times is doing in Project Veritas, does anybody think that any court is going to order the New York Times to turn over all of their emails, all of their text, all of their financial history, even if it has nothing to do with Project Veritas? But yet that was ordered of InfoWars, and they still did it. They produced over a million pages of documents, texts, and emails. To give you an idea of how private the information was they seized, they seized naked photos of Alex Jones's wife. That's the kind of stuff that they were getting. They, they, As they admitted, they seized attorney-client privileged communications. They knew exactly how much money, gross revenue, came in on any single given day. Hmm. They knew every bank account he had. They knew every business he had, every entity he had, for years, every product he ever sold. They had every email ever been communicated, every video that had ever been produced, every publication that had ever been broadcast. And that doesn't even count 
the hundreds and hundreds of hours of deposition time he and other members of InfoWars had to sit for. You're talking about Alex Jones. Typically, you get one deposition for eight hours in a typical case. Alex Jones was deposed over and over and over and over and over and over again. And if he was merely late for a deposition, he got fined big amounts of money and a million dollars in one context uh, because he was ill. They said, no, that doesn't count. You you don't get to be ill. You have to appear uh, for like his fifth or sixth or eighth or whatever it was deposition. People are trying to pretend he didn't participate in discovery. Anybody who watched the trial should ask, what discovery did they not have? They had all the all the text all the emails, all the videos, all the publications, and hours and hours and hours and days and days and days of deposition testimony. I've challenged everyone out there, find me one analogous case in the history of America where somebody produced this much discovery, participated in these many depositions, and was denied a right to trial by jury. It's unparalleled. Hmm. And then, of course, there was this business about uh, the plaintiffs getting a hold of Alex Jones's uh, phone records from what 2019 2020 and then now the reports are that the January 6th committee is searching or looking to get a copy of this what what's the nature of how this happened and what do you think the prospects for the January 6th committee getting this information are if they do it's illegally obtained information and so your attorney client privilege is something that only you as a client can waive your lawyer cannot waive it on your behalf, not inadvertently, not intentionally. And by the lawyer, plaintiff's lawyer's own admission in court, he had obtained attorney-client communications that he knew Alex Jones had never given him consent to obtain. So was it accidentally turned over? Is that how it happened or did something so, else happen? Yes, it happens all the time, every hmm. day in America. A lawyer will accidentally, especially as we get into e-discovery, where things get uploaded in mass on some sort of Dropbox or box or whatever it is file. Ever, I mean, I have constantly received uh, information that was not supposed to be sent to me. All of us as lawyers have an immediate ethical obligation to destroy any copies of it, not read it or review it, send it right back and notify them. Hey, by the way, I got this by accident. The plaintiff's lawyers in this case, as they've done throughout the case, completely ignored their ethical obligations because they know the courts in Texas, uh, in Austin and in Connecticut hate Alex Jones so much. There's an Alex Jones exception for every right that exists. And so and they won't enforce it when the I mean, this lawyer bragged in open court on a nationally broadcast trial how he had illegally accessed information he knew had been given to him by a mistake that Jones had never consented to. What happened was the uh, a paralegal uploaded all of the raw data file and meant to upload it to one file and it got uploaded to the plaintiff's lawyer's file by accident. The plaintiff's lawyer said, this looks like we got it by accident. Immediately, Jones's lawyer said, delete that. They don't. Instead, they're like, well, you didn't give it to us in a three-page form. It comes like this and this. Aha, we can just steal it all now. Mm. No ethical lawyer would do this. The, the lawyers suing Alex Jones are some of the least ethical lawyers I've ever seen in a court proceeding. Uh, these are people that make uh, Better Call Saul look like a beacon of legal <laughs> ethics. That's who these guys are. These guys give actual manage to give ambulance chasers a bad name, which was yeah. hard to achieve and attain previously. I never finished uh, that show. I got bored. I'll have to tune. I should tune into the trial instead of Better Call Saul. It would have been more entertaining. 
Yeah, you have to see one violation after the next. But the January 6th committee has no legal right to it, but they may be trying to seize it and steal it. If they do, it's an illegal action. It's a violation Hmm. of uh, Alex Jones's rights and other people's privacy rights that are implicated in it. So they would just be committing one more legal violation. But the, uh, the it makes sense it's the January 6th committee, because if you want to parallel to the nuttiness of what went on in the Alex Jones trial, the quote unquote trials of the January 6th committee are perfectly uh, apt example. Yeah. You mentioned all these Alex Jones ex- exceptions. And I think the big worry, you could look at the January 6th committee for another example. At what point do the exceptions become the norm? And all, all of a sudden we're all Alex Jones. And we're both in the business of offering opinions online. A lot of people who listen to either of our streams are in a similar, uh, they do similar things on their Twitter accounts or whatever else. And do you, do you see any principle in this situation? So for example, that 10 year old uh, abortion story a few weeks ago, I got that totally wrong. I thought that was fake. I thought the evidence uh, that it had at the time made it look fake. I declared it fake. It was not. And so, you know, I had to correct the record in much the same way that Alex Jones has had to go back uh, on some of his prior statements about Sandy Hook. But do you see any reason, according to these principles, that say the family of that 10 year old couldn't come after me and sue me for the same reasons? Am I missing something or would that apply? It goes even further than that, because really it's an attempt. The Westboro Baptist case, the U.S. Supreme Court was supposed to put an end to this. They said uh, they set aside another huge verdict and another politically tainted case said, look, there's no such thing as a wrong idea. There's no such thing as an illegal idea. It doesn't hmm. exist under the First Amendment. That's what they're establishing here. They're saying uh, the, the anybody that's I mean, to give an example, some of the people suing him are not just Sandy Hook parents. There's an FBI guy suing him, an <laughs> FBI guy. There's and always a saying, Fed. There always yeah, is. Of course, of yeah. course, there's got to be a Fed in there. Yeah. So, but basically, if we question what happens in January 6th, can now the uh, Capitol Police sue us? Say, yeah. oh, you have a different opinion than the January 6th committee. Uh, you, 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 we now get to sue you into bankruptcy and oblivion. And if you got a judge like the kind of judges Alex Jones has got, that would be a guaranteed outcome because he wouldn't be even allowed to defend yourself on the substantive merits. He wasn't even allowed to defend himself on punitive damages. I mean, you know how the a media company works. Does it make any sense that InfoWars is valued at $270 million? Is someone going to pay, especially imagine InfoWars without Alex Jones, is someone going to pay $270 million for the, for the web domain? I mean, that that's what was the expert testimony that couldn't be challenged under yeah. the court's ruling took place in front of that jury. So it's every level of insanity. But yeah, the precedent is perilous. The precedent is weaponization of the legal system. The last time this really happened, 1950s, early 1960s, deep south. If you were a lot of corrupt uh, clan oriented sheriffs were suing media publications, this is where and how New York Times versus Sullivan came from. Mm-hmm. is you had local politicians, but before that, they'd sued the NAACP, they'd sued Martin Luther King, they'd sued a range of people, and their goal was we're going to weaponize our control of the local judge and jury pool in politically tainted communities, kind of like these January 6th cases are unfolding in D.C., um, and we're going to use that to bankrupt people that we don't like, the critics, the dissenters, the people that are challenging and contesting our abuse of power. And the Supreme Court stepped in and fixed it back then. But we're seeing it now. And this is just the beginning. As they themselves said, in closing argument, they admitted this case really had nothing to do with uh, Sandy Hook. They said that their exact words were to the jury, take him out. 
Hmm. That's what they asked him to do. And they're looking for all the rest of us next. So you, you mentioned all these uh, flaws in the case, all these principles and legal standards that are violated. What do you think the prospect for appeal in this case is? On paper, he has the best appeal in the history of man. The problem he has is the decision makers. So he's appealing to the Texas Austin Court of Appeals. In Texas, they divide their courts of appeals so much that basically Austin gets to control not only the trial court level, but the appellate court level. So you're talking about overwhelmingly liberal Democratic and not only liberal Democrats, but authoritarian liberal Democrats. And so uh, the, the same Texas Court of Appeals has been making up new laws. They went along, changed the rules about summary judgment, changed the rules about sanctions, changed the rules about anti-slap rules, changed the rules about First Amendment limits, changed the rules about punitive damage requirements. For example, and he wasn't allowed to tell the jury that he had apologized many times. That was denied. He, he couldn't hmm. tell them that that happened. Uh, and, and this trial was literally, literally scripted. And what I mean by that is there's three movie cameras in the courtroom. There's a the documentary crew that did uh, Leaving Neverland was given exclusive rights to film the trial. They had one camera staring down the jury the whole time. And I'm talking about one of those big movie cameras. Yeah. They had a movie camera just for the judge and then a movie camera for the witnesses and the plaintiffs. Wow. When, when is that one coming out? Are they making some big feature film? When do we get to watch this? What, and the double benefit was by the I was like, why is the judge letting in all this stuff that's clearly not relevant just to hurt Jones, excluding mm-hmm. evidence of Jones that clearly is relevant just to hurt Jones and all of these other shenanigans, you know, staging events with witnesses based on misinterpretation of contempt, misinterpretation. She actually did a 1984 speech right out of the movie 1984 and right out of the book. She says. Oh, I understand you think this is true, uh, m- uh, Mr. Jones, but I decide what truth is in here. The It was the net effect of her speech. Uh, it was yeah, like, no, no, I think I saw I that clip. Two plus two equals yeah. five. Uh, let, 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 let's see. You got to get that answer right. Come on back, yeah. Mr. Jones. Yeah, there were a couple uh, of creepy moments like that. Completely. And then I realized when I was in the courtroom that I was like, this is actually for a movie. And here's the double benefit. If you film a trial, As long as you fairly report what took place within the trial, you're immune from libel suit, even if what you're really doing is lying about Alex Jones. (laughs) So now you're going to get in trouble for saying the Alex Jones trial was a hoax. That's how they're going to get Robert Barnes. They played played a little five seconds of me. Completely irrelevant evidence, right? They talked about what Alex Jones had said about the jury. Not allowed in. Didn't matter. Judge let it in. And then they played me, even though I'm not a witness, not a party to the proceedings mm-hmm. in any respect. They paid me just saying this is scripted for a future audience. Just that five seconds wouldn't put the before, wouldn't play the after, violating the rule of completeness, yeah. violating a bunch of rules of evidence because uh, just because they wanted to inflame the jury and they didn't want the jury to hear what the whole story really is. And again, the jury kind of knows because they're actors in a movie. I mean, they got a they got a movie movie camera pointed at him a whole trial. <laughs> this thing was a disgrace yeah. upon a disgrace upon a disgrace, and it's because uh, the Alex Jones exception. You've had a lot of institutional conservative and legal press refuse to discuss these ex- things they would find extremely disturbing in any other case, but they hate Alex Jones so much they're let. It's just like 2018. When they use Jones as the template to deplatform people, mm-hmm. and and some of us said at the time, "Don't fight for Jones, y'all are next." Nobody believed us. 
two years later, president of the United States, boom, gone. Yeah, the, I'm sure. I'm sure once they're done with Alex, they will wipe their hands and that will be that. They'll be completely satisfied and they'll move on exactly. to otherwise There's productive gonna be a lives. There's going to be long litany and yeah. a bunch of us. I mean, what they said in the punitive damages stage, they said, we're here so that Alex Jones and people like him mm-hmm. can never be heard again. Yeah, I don't doubt that is their uh, their end goal. You should believe them when they tell you that, I would think. Um, we are about out of time, but before we go, I want to make sure that people know where to find you if they're interested in learning more. Uh, at Barnes Law on Twitter, I have your uh, locals up with Viva Fry. That's Viva Barnes Law. Uh, Viva Barnes Law dot locals dot com. Right. Is there any other place you'd like to send people? The best place is Viva Barnes Law dot locals dot com. Because that's where we have everything organized. It's also a great community. I use it now as the main place I get my news and information because 500 people post a day and I get a wide range of interesting, informative links that are not your like generic Drudge Report these days, yeah. Drudge Report media oriented link. Uh, so that's always the best place. All right. Well, thank you for making time for us. I appreciate the insight. This is uh, there's a lot of complexity here that I just did not have the time to follow in detail. So thank you for uh, helping me iron it out. Yeah, but the bottom line is everyone is Alex Jones and Alex Jones is everyone. Again, to our guest, Robert Barnes, find all of his legal analysis with Viva Fry over at vivabarneslaw.locals.com. Also, in that interview, I misstated his Twitter handle. That's Barnes. Oh. That's at Barnes underscore law. I forgot the old underscore. Close and, um They would have found him. It's okay. I'm sure. Another small detail of my own failure. I was in such a hurry. I forgot to turn on the my set lights. My lovely set lights were... Not on behind me. Attention to detail. I'll do better next time. I'm sure everyone's super pissed. People are withdrawing their support from the channel right I, now. I would. What are you paying for? If not the background lights. All right. Uh, I do have a couple of leftovers actually about the trial that I just wanted to mention um, quickly uh, that I didn't get into with uh, with um, Robert Barnes. Because there was this great moment uh, actually at the trial where the plaintiff's lawyer was ripping Alex Jones for alleging baselessly like a crazy person would that um that somehow government officials might be involved with Pedophiles. child traffickers mm. uh minor attracted persons right and uh one kind twitter user made a dramatized edit of that moment one of the things you've been talking about on your show is your allegation that government officials are aiding in pedophilia, child trafficking, and the grooming of children, right? Well, you mean like what Jeffrey Epstein did with the Clintons? I 
I think you should. Balls on him to ask that, you know? You walked right into that one. <laughs> what a preposterous thing to say. You've been known to say this crazy. I think you should have gone with Joe Rogan as his lawyer. Yeah. You know, it couldn't have gone yeah, really. any worse. And I don't <laughs> I don't say that to rip on Alex Jones' legal team. I didn't follow closely, as I mentioned, but I think a lot of the uh, the cards were stacked against them from the start. Joe Rogan as Alex Jones' lawyer would have been truly amazing. And um case in point in some factors that may have been against Alex Jones from the start. Uh, behold, uh Judge Maya Guerra Gamble mm. could not be more of a, an NPC meme. It's uh, various social media po- profile pictures over the last few years for the judge overseeing this particular trial. Uh, don't don't just vote blue. Dye your hair blue and stay <laughs> home. She uh, oh. she got her vaccine. She understands that love is love. Even if it's Epstein love, that's just fine. Uh, <laughs> there she is with I don't know. What, what, is that a bison in the background? She had a bison ranch. I got my vaccine at a bison ranch, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And don't when you're voting, don't stop at the top. Vote Democrat the whole way down the ballot. Now, <laughs> how does such a thing happen? Texas elects their judges who run as partisans. So this might be a very partisan example. It, it's not necessarily outside the norm, though. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe her profile pictures are outside the norm. But I guess what I'm saying is running as a Democrat, running for a the office of a judge as a partisan Democrat is not abnormal. Um, yeah. She was elected to Texas's 459th Civil District Court in 2018, reelected in 2022. 459th District, of course, is Austin. And in Austin, I gather this sort of thing is, in fact, very popular. Uh, last note, there will still there are still two more Sandy Hook cases against Alex Jones to come. Plus, as we discussed, uh, the decision, this decision uh, will likely be appealed. So we'll probably return to this story again soon in the near future. I don't future. think he's going to have any sympathy. He's going to find any sympathy. And then we can have uh, Mr. Barnes back or Mr. Fry back. We appreciate their insight. And uh, of course, it would have been nice to have us all together, but perhaps next time we can make such arrangements. Uh, let's Poor see. Alex. We are. Uh, did you have more thoughts you wanted to say before we move on? No, I mean, uh, they're trying to make an example out of him, but it's just astonishing to me that uh, defamation, there's no adherence to existing law. It's entirely bringing the ca- a case of defamation is entirely based on the degree of public outrage. Like no one would give a shit about this if it wasn't about kids dead from gun violence, you which know, is it an, had to be that it's an understandably emotional topic. I don't dispute people who are upset about that, but we have to have standards whereby you're allowed to talk about a public story and have a controversial, dare I say, unpopular opinion about it. So long as you aren't making a specific accusation falsely against a specific person. Mm-hmm. And at least as far as I understand this and, if I've missed something, feel free to help me understand it. But I, I just don't see that sort of specific accusation in this case. And for people, not just people like us, anybody who likes doing the sort of thing that we all enjoy in this community on this show, having just questioning what the official information presented to us is. If we have to fear offending someone by doing that and having our yep. livelihood, our, our business, our whole family be bankrupted because someone was hurt by it. I'm... Yeah, that's not going to it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be good just for this kind of community that we operate in. But it's not going to be good for anybody who wants to think freely. And that's really what's uh, at stake here. 
your right to think freely should not be subject to the emotional whims of others, even if they are, you know, frankly, a li- I understand why if you're a parent of the of one of the kids and you hear a claim that it's a hoax, why that would bother you emotionally. I don't think that that's an unreasonable reaction. I do think it's unreasonable to try to sue somebody in the ground for into the ground for saying that. And and frankly, I'm a little bit surprised if they believe that Alex Jones earned all this dirty money off of it, that he earned this dirty money by lying, that you want that pie of dirty money. Yeah. Why do you even want it? What, you do you want to live off millions of dollars of people uh, viscerally hate him, though. But um, his uh, questioning of government motives has has led to him to a uh, litany of correct conclusions. Yeah, he might so, have. Maybe he is just he might have created his own correct conclusions. He has made people hate him so much that his predictions from years ago have come true in actions taken against him. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, Anyway, of course, we'll we'll keep up with this story. It is an important one. Um, and we're a little bit up against the clock, but I did want to talk about additional legal topics of just uh, vengeful meddling. Because, of course, um, it, again, it's just examples of, of, of political bullying and political coercion disguised as justice. And in, in this case, yeah, it's exactly. um, moderate by the book Attorney General Merrick Garland. He just can't help but intruding uh, on every uh, state issue that he personally doesn't like. Recall last summer, Garland announced that he's suing Georgia because he doesn't like their new election law, even though it led to a gigantic turnout in their last election. A month ago, he announced that he's suing Arizona for the same reason. He doesn't like their election law either. Last fall, of course, he pledged to go after terrorist parents at school board meetings. This week, he announced he's bringing charges against four police officers in the Breonna Taylor case. Now, maybe you think, hey, uh, didn't a Kentucky grand jury consider all the evidence against these officers and decline to bring charges? Correct, except for one cop who was charged with wanton endangerment, but was uh, later acquitted. Um, and uh, that, that's what happened in Kentucky. But, but two things, Merrick Garland is now bringing different federal charges, and he's actually going after completely different cops. He's going after, in all cases but one, that is. He's going after uh, officers who officers for what they did in creating the warrant that was the basis for the raid. So Garland announced on Thursday, we allege that Taylor's fourth amendment rights were violated when the police officers sought a warrant to raid, uh, to raid and to search uh, Taylor's home, knowing the officers lacked probable cause for the search. According to Garland, the affidavit falsely claimed officers had verified the target of their drug trafficking investigation. Taylor's ex-boyfriend, who's different than the man who was in her apartment at the Mm. time and shot at police. That that she had received that Brianna Taylor <clears throat> had received packages intended for her uh, for her uh, drug dealing ex boyfriend at her address. In fact, according to Garland, the officers knew that was not true. Not only that they didn't verify it, he's saying they purposefully falsified it. Garland accuses the officers of making uh, of meeting in a garage weeks before the raid, conspiring to give false information to investigators. Now Garland is also bringing charges against uh, Brett Hankison the officer who was charged in Kentucky for uh, who was charged at the state level in Kentucky for wanton endangerment for firing shots into Taylor's apartment from outside uh, that hit uh, other uh, apartments or rather went through Brianna Taylor's apartment and into other apartments. Garland alleges that was unconstitutionally excessive force. Now, perhaps mm-hmm. you're thinking, Hey, um, if these officers, uh, if these officers faked information to get a warrant, or if they used excessive force, isn't that bad? Shouldn't we want justice for that? Sure, that's fair. Uh, the question is how, though. And 
The question is, are those Kentucky problems to fix or are these federal problems to fix? Some points for consideration. You can't tell me that false claims in pursuit of a warrant uh, are a matter of principle for the Fed. See Carter Page. We have some <laughs> examples about falsified or exaggerated right. or made up information uh, in that pursuit. You also can't tell me that excessive force is a matter of principle for the Fed. See Ruby Ridge. Right. Yeah. See exactly. Waco. Yeah. Um, see the ridiculous raids in the January 6th context. So these aren't principles. These are these are simply convenient premises for meddling. And two, if you actually are worried about police abuse, ironically, the people most cheering this announcement that I see are some of the harshest police critics in every other context. You're entitled to that. I'm not even saying that you're wrong. I don't think police scrutiny is inherently a bad thing. But if you are a critic or a skeptic of police power, I would caution against centralizing police power more in the feds. Yeah. Promise you, you have not seen police injustice uh, until you've seen federal police abuse and injustice. So the more power you give the DOJ and the FBI and all these people, uh, you better hope that they're right 10 out of 10 times. Yep. Um, Bottom line, the farther and more centralized, farther away and more centralized police forces get, uh, the less accountable to you they are. And all of that is even assuming that Garland's uh, accusations are true. The defendants, of course, get the presumption of innocence. So far, I've not heard their response. I have no demonstration so far that his accusations of falsification of the warrant application and the excessive force we that know about. True, but, right? but as far as this plan, this conspiracy to falsify information, I don't know if that's factually true or not. Mm. So we'll see on that. He's not done meddling, though. He's going after your state because you guys are one of the yeah. states with the new <sighs> abortion law. I'm so sick of this. Like, if I have to hear this ectopic pregnancy or miscarriage argument one more time, it's I find this intolerable. The DOJ filed a lawsuit on Tuesday arguing that Idaho's near total abortion ban violates federal law. So Merrick Garland said um, that it violates a federal law requiring medical providers to offer emergency medical treatment. And so the suit surrounds emergency medical care under the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act, where every hospital in the U.S. that receives Medicare funds must provide necessary stabilizing treatment to patients who arrive at the emergency department while experiencing a medical emergency. Now, he what he said about this, this may be the case, for example, when a woman is undergoing a miscarriage that threatens septic infection or hemorrhage or is suffering from severe preeclampsia. Now, they what they keep doing on the left is conflating these issues between viable and non-viable pregnancies. When you are appearing for septicemia and you're having a miscarriage, your fetus is dead. That is why you are septic, because you are retaining um, rotting fetal matter in your body and it's causing an infection in your blood. It makes you horribly ill. No one is trying to stop women from receiving emergency medical care that have a non-viable pregnancy. Well, and you notice this this lawsuit is theoretical. It's like someone it's so could stupid. have this circumstance and therefore your entire law ought to be thrown out. When in reality, the theory is dubious in the way you're describing. It has yet to happen. And it what percentage of cases are we even talking about here? The it's, miscarriage thing? It's incredibly well, common. Very, very common. I'm saying as a matter of abortions this is no it's, is it, it's unrelated to abortion yeah, because they've already on... done two ultrasounds to ensure yeah. fetal non-viability so like what's the issue here uh and the, the other thing that he mentions is suffering from severe preeclampsia 
totally different thing that's a maternal condition and you probably have a viable pregnancy. Yeah. But totally uh, different. And I then guess, they also mentioned ectopic pregnancies. Do you know how many ectopic pregnancies that have been in the fallopian tubes have been uh, re-implanted in the uterus successfully? Yeah. In, in the history of mankind? Zero. Hmm. If you have an ectopic pregnancy, you will that, that, there's no way, there's a 0% chance that that baby is, is viable. Yeah. I need Merrick Garland to show me an example of any one of these cases that he's citing that happening in Idaho and Idaho then prosecuting the doctor or the mom while laughing in an evil maniacal way while doing it. It's just, it's never going to happen. I'm so sick of this, this acting like women that are having miscarriages are not going to receive medical care. No pro-life physician would ever not um, give a woman a DNC that was septic uh, and he had insured fetal non-viability. Nobody yeah. would ever do that. The most pro-life doctors in the world would not do that. It's never going to happen. Well, it sounds like another uh, thin guise of principle that is actually uh, just a cover for federal intrusion and meddling. Once it's just again, so insulting to like female intelligence. This is bringing out the feminist. Oh my god! Me. This is multiple weeks in a row. This is how bad you people have become. Well, good Lord. I mean, <laughs> women do have medical problems that require that yeah. require the removal of a non-viable fetus. Nobody's going to stop that. Yeah. Well, speaking of the quest to remove state power and um, and centralize it uh, within the Duh. feds, Karine Jean-Pierre, again, uh, another classic this week. She said that overturning Roe v. Wade in the Supreme Court Dobbs decision, that, that was unconstitutional. It wasn't Roe v. Wade and in the uh, invention of of the right to an abortion that was unconstitutional. The the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe was unconstitutional. From day one, when uh, when the Supreme Court made this extreme decision uh, to take away a, a constitutional right, uh, it was an unconstitutional unconstitutional action by them. A right that was around for almost fifty years. A right so that what? women had to make a decision on their bodies and how they want to start their families. Ah. Let's, to make uh, a decision on their bodies. Seriously, we're using 50-year precedent as as a case here? That's not a case. This was a, a major blunder. Uh, yeah. And it, it's not just it's not just the uh, the the question of whether abortion is a constitutional right, but who makes these sorts of assessments. I know there are competing theories about judicial review and all of that. Um, but I, I guess I was unaware that the Constitution must be a lesser known provision. That says the press secretary is the one who decides what constitutional rights are and are not. Uh, interesting interpretation. Um, but it, it's, of course, it's just infuri- infuriatingly ironic as well. She's criticizing the court for, in her view, taking power that isn't there. Uh, that isn't theirs, rather. So she's either lying about Roe, which did exactly that. It seized power to the federal government that wasn't theirs from the start. Or she's just completely oblivious about what Roe did and about what Dobbs does, which is just not a good look for a, a federal government spokeswoman not to understand. But again, the important thing is that she's the first black lesbian immigrant not to understand. So I want to give proper historical recognition. You ready for hoax hate? I know you loved this one. This hoax hate. Oh yeah. God. Uh, all right. <laughs> Now, the nobody saw it happen, but it's totally a product of Trump's America hoax hate crime of the week. Ah, shit, it's backwards. 
You think they'll notice? In Raleigh, North Carolina, a man named Matt Moore says he woke up to find, quote, N-word lives don't matter. Spray painted across his driveway on Wednesday. <laughs> it was the real N-word. Uh, he says this was a response to his yard sign that says Black Lives Matter and uh, other progressive slogans. Graffiti on his driveway and front yard signs. And get this, this has happened here before. It's very much an invasion. N-word, lives don't matter. These four words spray painted on Matt Moore's driveway. They went there, they went there all the way. He thinks vandals targeted him over this sign in his yard, displaying messages like Black Lives Matter and Science is Real. The yard sign also damaged. When we woke up, the sign looked like this. Unfortunately, it is a two-sided sign. I don't feel targeted. I feel sorry for anybody who's intimidated by a plastic sign. That's like... How sad is that? As for that homeowner who had his property uh, vandalized, he says that he's donated $500 to the Black Voters Matter Fund as a sense of justice. Oh, wow. How fast did that homeowner give that newscaster monkeypox after that interview? <laughs> like so fast. Um, I don't know. I mean, a, a white gay men are clearly not oppressed enough that they have to like fake oppression on the on behalf of black people that also aren't oppressed. Like, what am I even supposed to do about this? What a great that, that opportunity. That gay guy is just bored. Like, he's bored with promiscuous anal sex, and so now he has to hoax hate. <laughs> I think they're in a committed relationship. Well, what does that mean? You know, 50% of gay relationships are, are open. We gay have marriages to, are Did open. you learn nothing from the interview? We have to be careful about our defamatory statements around here. I will sued. defame these people. I don't give a shit. <laughs> what a wonderful opportunity for him to virtue signal about his $500 donation. Yeah, seriously. Um, it turns out the rest of his virtue signaling neighbors are also in on it. They pledged not only to match his donation to the Black Voters Matter Fund, but they have plenty more signs in their garage. They have a whole Costco pack of Black Lives Matter signs that they just uh, replaced. Uh, they replaced his damaged one with. So this could be a whole neighborhood op, uh, but... I notice uh, in in both stories, uh, I have two stories. There's another local story here with a video story. I don't have that prepped to play, but neighbors are quoted in these. And um, none of these neighbors who appear are neighbors of color, yet they are all professing how welcoming and tolerant and committed to diversity they are. And yet it does seem like an awfully homogenous community they have built despite their commitment to these values we can all agree clearly hoax hate though uh i would say so I, mean, it's, I can't believe you're offended by a plastic sign it seems like a plastic sign is the, of the utmost value to you this yeah, is right. a gigantic news story uh, apparently city of rally cruise cleaned up the graffiti so implicitly it doesn't say this but the story says the city cleaned it up that would imply to be no charge to more but i can't confirm that. it might have been a free cleanup um and for what it's worth, there's a small inconsistency in the story. Again, I mentioned I'm looking at two different local stories about it. The story we just watched in the video, he says, I woke up to find the sign like this. Indeed, the story reads, Matt Moore says he woke up to find N-word lives don't matter written on his property. <laughs> the other story, first paragraph reads, a neighbor in the Renaissance Park community made the shocking discovery while she was out on her morning walk. Okay. Could the neighbor, I guess they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. Maybe the neighbor alerted him at which point he went outside and looked for himself. But 
this this first story implies that he discovered it. Right. The next story says that a neighbor discovered it, and that's how he became aware. Hmm. Anyway, uh, Moore did file a police report. No suspect identified or arrested. Okay, I, I have a couple more. I'll have to be oh, quick God. here. How is this still a segment? Just every week, we, <laughs> we still find stuff to do. Something looks like a swastika every week. Yeah. In Hanover County, Virginia on Wednesday, the public school district apologized for the logo of their United Professional Learning Conference, uh, Conference, a theme of which was supposed to be promoting equity. The logo came under social media scrutiny, driven in part by a candidate for Virginia House uh, for its resemblance to a swastika. Uh, say what you will about this. I actually think it is closer than many of the garage door examples we've seen in the past. I've seen some attempted swastikas that are worse than this accidental swastika. <laughs> and of course, the orientation okay, yeah. would be backward because this is still hooking left instead of hooking right like a proper swastika <laughs> would be. But the district uh, says that the logo was suppo- supposed to be four arms and hands grasping together, which is a symbol of unity. I say fire the graphic designer just for that. I, it's not a Nazi thing to me. I don't see four arms and hands grasping each other. Yeah, yeah. That's just a bad design. Nazi stuff set aside. Uh, the district says they are deeply sorry for the mistake and the emotions that their logo evoked. All right. Uh, last thing. Um, maybe this is how I'm finally going to get my hit piece. And maybe... My hit piece will come in the form of a federal raid. You know, it took forever, but I really, once I got there, it was spectacular. Because um, I designed my set space before the FBI declared half the items on the wall to be extremist imagery. According to a, uh, an FBI bulletin leaked by Project Veritas, the FBI has identified several images and symbols it used, or it identified several images and symbols as associated with, quote, militia violent extremism. The FBI does qualify that just the usage of these images alone should not be taken to indicate terroristic behavior. But many terrorists have adopted the imagery. The imagery includes the thin Hawaiian line boogaloo flag, the anarcho-capitalist flag, and notably, yes, the Betsy Ross flag, as in the original American flag with 13 stars. Right. And the Gadsden flag, the uh, don't tread on me flag that's also of Revolutionary War origin now of course the great irony is the betsy ross flag and the gadsden flag and all these a lot of these other flags um, uh, are of an era in which the people waving those flags were also considered to be extremist by the redcoats of their time so i I don't know if the fbi is acknowledging we're the new redcoats we don't right right we don't like these symbols um but uh when you when the founding symbols and values of your country are considered potential extremist indicators just it's fair to fair to wonder yeah. who's who's yeah. really uh, betraying our spirit, our rule of law, our values. Who, who who's who's the real turncoat here? Anyway, I don't know if they're going to be kicking down my door anytime soon. A man can dream, though. Wouldn't that Maybe. be something? Here's hoping for live on the stream. <laughs> here's Every not, week. <laughs> here's not hoping for that. Actually, I I quite like not being raided by feds while I do the show. All right. Uh, anything else before the movie review? No, let's do it. All right. In a world of movie references flying over his head, one man will finally watch them. 
This week's movie is the 1993 Michael Douglas thriller Falling Down, in which a struggling ex-defense engineer divorcee abandons his car in deadlocked L.A. traffic, marches through the city to get to his daughter's birthday party, and ruthlessly punishes anybody who puts obstacles in his way. From movie picker Derek, a great Michael Douglas film, a good movie that came out in 1993. It still says a lot about the world today. As always, your review and your rating. Oh, I hope you liked this. It doesn't matter, though. It doesn't matter. Okay. What an excellent, just near perfect film. I loved Mm. basically everything about it. Um, The plight of someone, it was really interesting because because he's such a sympathetic character. Um, But it's the plight of somebody that's also predisposed toward insanity when they're cast aside by society. But was it through no fault of his own, truly? Like, I loved um, when he comes back to his wife's house and he's watching that video of him yelling at his daughter to to sit on the rocking horse. Yeah. Because I think at that point, the viewer was like, yeah, everybody really fucked this guy over, you know? And, and it wasn't really his fault. And then you kind of find out that he was always uh, predisposed towards this this insanity, this this violent temper that his wife was not full of shit. Like she could see it, that it was in him, you know? Um, and I just loved that. And I can't think of another film where I sympathized with the antagonist like this. And I love the parallels between the protagonist, and the antagonist about how they were both being held emotionally hostage by women, but in different ways, hmm. you know? And I love that scene with the detective when he finally lays down the law with his wife. Oh, yeah. He's like, you're going to have chicken for me. You're going to leave the skin on. You're going to stop calling. And she like, Gets in shut line, up yeah. just yeah, shut, shut up. up yeah and that's what he needed to do that's how he needed to handle her um it was just perfection it was haunting it was beautifully shot and written and i was so relieved that i was spared um him killing the wife and child i thought for sure they were toast hmm. like the whole movie because everybody was like oh you're watching falling down that movie's so sad so the whole movie i was like oh he's gonna it's going to kill the wife and kid. Um, and so I was happy that it it took that kind of unexpected suicide by cop turn. It was the best possible emotional outcome for me. But I just loved it. Five out of five. Excellent film. Thank you guys for choosing this. It was truly a pleasure wow. to watch. Yeah, because you had seen you had not seen this or you didn't know anything about it. Right. Mm-mm. Which is the same for me. No, it was so good. I I can't I can't sing its praises enough. Uh, two things. One. Aren't you forgetting something? There's got to be something else you appreciated about this movie. All the minority slang? Well, yeah, that. But was there any character outside of the main guy that you happened to enjoy? The Nazi guy was insane. <laughs> Clearly insane. Uh, okay. Uh, I want to talk about him a little bit. And then number two, uh, how do you think I rated it or received it? I, I would be shocked if you did not love this movie. Okay. Uh, I did love it. very similar reasons and again this is a sort of movie that i didn't know anything about didn't have really any expectations of i actually thought it was going to be more of a comedy because his outfit kind of looks funny even though it is it's one of the i normally criticize movies when i say you're trying to do everything don't try to be dramatic sad funny You, you pick pick one thing and be excellent at it yeah Every once in a while, a movie proves that philosophy wrong for me. And I think this is an example of a movie that is genuinely excellent 
across genres, I suppose, or across movie types, if you want to put it that yeah. way. A movie that yeah. could genuinely make you laugh and cry, which oh, uh, is yeah. not often well done. Uh, just some of the themes I love, you know, remove a man from his family, watch the world burn. Totally. And you spoke to that, so I won't explain that uh, a whole bunch more. I did kind of appreciate how it left the justification of that or who's right and wrong in that dispute somewhat open, but it still makes me realize, okay, even if Bill was, he had an anger problem with his family, do we really solve, uh, do we solve problems? Do we make society safer by severing men from their families? Even if they are imperfect, even if they have flaws, my conclusion was, he had to go. The, divorcing him was the right solution. I don't know, man. I'd take a few bitch slaps. I think, uh, <laughs> I think a few unjustified bitch slaps are, a price to pay for keeping families intact. But she could see that he had, that he had it in her, yeah. in him to kill the family. Yeah. And she was right. Uh, he apparently, well, he got very close. Yeah. Um, or maybe he was made that way. That's why it's such an interesting yeah. film. Uh, be careful with a vengeful mindset is another theme. Um, I love this part at the end where Bill has this realization. I'm the bad guy. How did that happen? And And the way that happens is, in much the same way that his rage happens. It's little mm -hmm. things adding up to a big thing. Yeah. So when you allow yourself kind of moral flexibility, moral leniency here and there, because you're trying to get revenge on someone or they deserve it, or you have power over them and you won't really be held accountable. You give yourself that little moral lenience. All of a sudden you become the bad guy over time because you've lost that ability to tell exactly. when you are actually abusing yeah. others or not. I loved that theme. The opening traffic scene, just a great tone setter, man. I was like, it just brought me back to Seattle and San Francisco sitting in traffic and being enraged. Ugh. You really get in his mindset through that opening scene. Yeah. Really great opener. Loved it. Yep. Um, the movie's just perfectly spicy, too. It was, um, as I wrote in the review, it was uh, ethnically hilarious. Throughout. It really was. Yeah. Um, you had the Korean shop owner, the uh, the Hispanic gangster guys. But this oh, that Nazi scene of him going through the shop and cutting down prices—that was so oh, funny. The the army navy scene, it, yeah. the army navy store scene, amazing. Not just the confrontation with the gay guys, but his whole weapon stash in the back. And I don't know if you caught it—he has like Nazi erotica books. I saw that. Yeah, uh, swastika bitches and Hellcats of the Reich. It had some pulp fic fiction vibes. Yeah. I wanted the book to be called Swastikunts. I thought that was <laughs> more clever. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I just a just a perfect spiciness, and I had to take this dig. Did you know this movie bumped Groundhog Day at the box office when it came? Really? Out? Yep. So, mm. moviegoers mm. then knew what everyone knows now. My movie opinions are correct. You should go see <laughs> Falling Down in place of Groundhog Day. Um, the only thing I can criticize this movie for, and I don't even know, I can see the other side of this, so it's not a something I'm really dead set on, but. It is difficult to tell what actions of Bill's are justified and what actions and what aren't, aren't, specifically his conflict with his family. I think the movie is intentionally unclear for you to think about that. But to the extent that the, the theme of the movie is how little injustices add up to big injustices or mm -hmm. they, they cause a you know reasonable man to go mad. This Another reason I love this, it reminded me of the Killdozer story in so many yes. ways. Yeah. Um, that if we knew a little bit more specifics about the history of how he had been wronged, allegedly, we could better judge whether he was justified in his approach or not. 
that said, it's a movie that's supposed to take place over the course of a day. If you had constant flashbacks or you had forced dialogue explaining every single uh, piece of the fact pattern, it wouldn't work as nicely as it does. I am curious, though. It's like, where has he been going since he got fired from his job? Details like that. I did want more of like, how did he become this kind of man? So I wouldn't. I would dare I say that's not even really a flaw. It, it's curiosity that was inspired within me, which is almost a, I mean, it's a good thing to say about a movie that I, that I wanted more detail in the way that you're describing. So I actually gave it the same five wiki. Hey. I don't know that we've, uh... We love you. You're very special. It's been a while since we've agreed on a five. So. Oh yeah. That's that cool was just, see. that was just great. Yeah, I did mention in the review, too, if uh, the Great Gay War comes, Civil War Two, the uh, the bill loadout from falling down, you know, the the white shirt, the tie, the pens in the pocket and the Uzi. Maybe that's time. It's the new Hawaiian shirt. That's a good loadout for the Great Gay War. And, and Susan, oh, I'm not calling that scene where the black kid is teaching him how to use the Uzi. That is so funny. <laughs> or the bazooka, the rocket launcher thing. Yeah, right. That's, right. Yeah. 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 Um, it's not in a movie. I'm not calling for the great gay war, Susan. Lori Lightfoot is calling for the great gay war. Yeah. Uh, let's see what people uh, thought of this movie. Early vote. Uh, people love it. Yeah. Actually, it's almost a three quarter majority five wiki for the early vote. And the, and about a third of people, quarter to a third of people gave it a four. So very, no, in fact, nobody's given it a one yet. Somebody's going to have to go in and give it a one vote just no, to try. No, don't. Uh, movie next week is uh, Airplane, which I have not seen. Have you seen it? I have, but it's been a long time. Seems like the kind of movie I would like, but I don't want to get set in the minds, put myself in the mindset that I'm going to like a movie before I watch it. Uh, and then the remaining nominees uh, for the rest of August from listener Derek Movie nominations are Clue, We Were Soldiers, 1917, Kelly's Heroes, Little Shop of Horrors, and Glory. Or, of course, you can uh, reject the list and vote for a randomly selected top-rated movie instead. And as a reminder, uh, if you'd like to read my movie reviews, comment how wrong I am, submit your own rating, vote for the next movie, and sign up for the chance to be the movie nominator for the month, the one and only place to do it is in my weekly movie review column linked in the description and over on the homepage of the website. That, of course, is mattchristensenmedia.com. All right. Let's uh, catch up with chat. We'll call it a night. Sure. That's great. I'm glad that I'm glad to agree on love for a movie. That's yeah, it's been a while. A great way to end this and end, end the show end the week. Uh, let's see. I did David, didn't I? Uh, AP, I turned on VeggieTales for a seven-month-old. He got bored quickly. I turned on Ladder with Crowder, and he was as content as can be. Wow. What will he be watching next? The Matt and Blonde Show and Timcast IRL. This is not a show for children. <laughs> Whenever my parents are watching this show and they're watching the baby, I'm like, you can't. You can't, you can't <laughs> Either do or. It. Yeah, you can't you mix can't those things. It. Thank you. Um, Appreciate it. Thank you for that. Joe Schmo. My favorite podcasters mingling is always a wonderful site. Matt and Blonde, Viva and Barnes, Crowder, Actual Justice Warrior are great. Now get on Tim Pool. Maybe that can get you over 242,000. I love (laughs) Actual Justice Warrior. He's been on my channel before. Yeah. Um, No, my channel's locked. There's no Susan has locked in whatever the numbers are. They can't be altered. There's no changing that. Set in stone. Totally. Uh, Blonde and I once made hate. We had been hanging out all day talking about returning to 
to monkey. And we got this orangutan lighter. Ah, a brother asked us for a light. We didn't mean it. We're sorry. I don't, I totally forgot about the lighter. I was like, where are they? That's a detailed one. In fact, I did have someone else. There are more of these orangutan lighters coming. So I can forward you an orangutan lighter if you'd really like to have one. Sure. Yeah. If I still smoked weed, I would be using it a lot more. (laughs) Um, those were the days. Steamroller says working in ER, coworker said pox is not from monkeys, alluded it to being racist. Um, another one said a white man can't talk about abortion rights. She couldn't see how she was being bigoted. This field is filled with hypocrites. I know. People hmm. think that doctors are infallible, but the medical industry, um, including some doctors, retards. Retards. They're in every uh every business, I suppose. Yeah, like some nurses are great. My midwives were great, but mostly they're just sluts. <laughs> like, how Hopefully. many nurses went into nursing just to fuck doctors? I suppose that is a uh, if, if you're trying to secure a future, that's a that's a good way to do it. Find a place where you can find a doctor. It makes sense. Yeah, yep. yeah. Sorry for all of you nurses that aren't whores out there. Uh, the <laughs> 1% of you. Max said, uh, we should start referring to monkeypox as visual aids. <laughs> visual aids. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty good. clever. It's better I do than appreciate Floyd that AIDS, you maybe. can see it, you know? Like, I'm always worried about diseases and like, can you get this disease and be asymptomatic? Monkeypox, there's like one asymptomatic case ever documented. I had heard there were that it was more common than that, but I don't know. Uh, no, everybody that has monkeypox yeah. has has lesions on their bottom. You have to have the visible evidence. Yep, totally. Yeah. Uh, it should be pretty easy to to not. Wait, get did it you then, right? did you say lesions on their buttholes? So, am, if I, am I to believe that uh, monkeypox enthusiasts are encountering lesion surrounded orifices, yeah, clearly visible and or feelable, and they're still yeah. deciding, you know what, my commitment to this is. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm still willing to take the pox risk. I mean, despite the ring of visual aids warning them against. I don't know. Okay, is so let's happening? say you have like your meth is only going to last four hours, and you have ten butts to stick your dick into. Are you going <laughs> to examine every butthole? I mean, I think you're just going to get in and get out. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Do I really want to continue down this line, or? I'll accept that logic, you know, that that's fair enough. I'm not going to also get them on their peens and mouths. I've definitely seen the mouth examples. Do you yeah. know what I read today? 51% of people with monkeypox also have AIDS. <laughs> that sounds like a hate statistic, but I that could, is a really high. That's but really I could, uh, I could believe there's a correlation that does make some sense. I don't know if, if AIDS isn't scaring him, then uh, it must be the, uh, the, uh, drug injections, right? That's, that's the common common thing and it could happen to anybody anybody who injects drugs could end up in the same situation exactly totally um plum logan uh russia has stricter weed laws in the u.s but a lower prison population what inexplicable variable could possibly account for this it joggers the mind boggles the mind oh another hate statistic well it's hateful Brittany griner is doing her par for equity in the prison population <laughs> of russia <laughs> She's doing a great job. <laughs> she really is. Yeah. Uh, John Verstrick. Um, after hmm. the coup, I'm sick of monkeypox. Americans uh, getting kid gloves. Just stop humping. Put the D down. Anyway, happy to be a monthly supporter now that finances opened up. Thanks for a great show. Thank you. Well, thank you yep. for supporting. Appreciate that very much. And uh, thank you for the chat as well. 
Matteo, hi guys, been a few weeks. Love you both. This all made me appreciate and rally behind Alex more. Been watching him on and off for the past 12 years, and Michael Savage are the reason Trump ever had a chance in 2016. Hmm. Uh, Alex Jones, who I may or may not have said might be controlled opposition a few times, he has sacrificed a lot to tell mm, things that are mostly true. 95% accurate, he says. He's got a lot of accuracy. Tomorrow's he's, news he's today. a lot of things. Um, but, you know, the point is that it doesn't really matter. It yeah, I agree. It's really not matter. it's not yeah. whether I'm offended by his opinion, whether I agree with his opinion. Uh, it's about whether we have the right to that opinion, whether we're going to defend that right, even for opinions that we we think are very emotionally damaging or very yeah. hurtful. Um, that's that's part of the deal. Part of the reason that they're unpopular and we have to protect them is that they're hurtful. Mm-hmm. That's why we have to protect them. But exactly. That takes um, a little restraint, and we seem to be lacking that in society these days. I agree. I agree. Well, Walter Mellon, I don't believe what the store clerk did was lawful, but if I were on a jury, I would let him go. Am I a piece of shit? Hmm. No. If people are going to bring charges because of public outrage, I'm not talking about this case, but in the Alex Jones case and things like that, um, and not based on the rule of the law, then why should a jury be expected to uphold the rule of the law? above their own personal outrage that's a really interesting moral dilemma like if i got on that jury would i do the reverse was it brandon mitchell on the chauvin jury who outright said i'm an activist juror i don't care what the law is necessarily i would definitely do the reverse you know oh man i there are certainly in earlier parts of my life i would have said absolutely not you have a an obligation to follow the letter of the law despite your own personal persuasions about whether that law is just or not but on the other side of it, I do understand we are in at some level a lawless conflict at this point. Am I going to submit to that? Am I going to submit to the law only when they want me to and then have it weaponized against me when they want to do that? Yeah, or exactly. am I going to stand up for moral truths that are that pre-exist our entire legal structure? Um man. Well, um, like I said, if I was sitting in the on the jury bench, I would look at that uh, that young uh, shop owner and I would say, like I said earlier, good. Good, good. for you. Good for you. <laughs> I'm not going to be on that jury. So I guess I won't have to face that dilemma. Yeah, totally. Um, Robin D. Banks, Brittany Griner did more than draw attention to the WA than decades of all of her, team, all of her team's gameplay combined. That's true. Come on, you know the WNBA loves this. How many people didn't even know about the WNBA until now? They probably do love this. I saw an article that I didn't want to read because who would? But the headline was something like Griner incident highlights pay inequity in WNBA. Oh, there it is. Oh, my God. Maybe they just planted weed on her. The WNBA, for all its feminist nonsense, only exists because of men's sports subsidy. At least the women's soccer team can say that they have some level of commercial appeal. They do generate revenue. And as far as I understand, could probably exist as an independent business. It's not like they're all rolling in dough. The WNBA, right. I, I don't have their books. I doubt the WNBA could exist as a commercial entity if it was not for NBA subsidy. Yeah. Yeah. How how could it? How this could is, it? They, they have their market and that's fine. Like I get it. You're a, you're a dad who has a young girl who wants to play basketball. You like going to WNBA games because she's really into basketball. I get that. Nobody who's just a sports fan and has no reason to go to a WNBA game like that. Nobody 
<laughs> no, that doesn't exist. And the, Bill Burr had this bit about it too. That's not men's fault. You know whose fault that is? Women's fault. Women don't support the WNBA. It's not our job to do it. You guys. It's boring don't. to watch sports. It's more boring <laughs> to watch women's sports. Yeah. And I shouldn't make that accusation against you. It's not as though any point at any point you would have said, we need a equally paid women's basketball league, even though no one women's wants to basketball watch it. law. Yeah. I don't even care about men's sports and nobody's going to get me hard for women's sports. It's never going to happen. Although I really like figure skating and gymnastics. Now that uh, Leah Thomas has been kicked out of swimming or is not eligible for whatever Olympics or however that played out. I was really enjoying that. Leah Thomas, uh, get into get in on the WNBA. Hey, fixes the problem for everybody. I will pay. That's a ticket I might buy. Like if I happen to be in Seattle or Minneapolis or something and I, and there's a ticket to go see a WNBA game where Leah Thomas is playing. I would totally do that. Yeah. I might buy it. I might buy I that mean, ticket. Maybe this will be the resurgence of like um, Barnum and Bailey's freak shows. I really <laughs> wish we could bring those back. You know, I've heard my dad tell me stories about uh, like, you know, the county fair or the carnival freak shows that used Your to exist. Your dad is old enough to have seen actual freak shows. So he claims. What did he see? like bearded woman type stuff i don't know i haven't heard the story for a little while but that's after, just that's just standard midwestern stuff now my parents are over after the stream i'll ask him about the freak shows of his uh, younger years that See is what he so awesome yeah oh, lucky <laughs> downskated after hearing liz cheney's campaign ads i've decided i'm going to vote for her because she's less real than mickey mouse so don't worry she will get at least one ride and vote from pennsylvania <laughs> i encourage everybody to um throw away all of their votes in all elections yeah, I got uh, a lot of enjoyment of Dick Cheney talking about how Donald Trump is the biggest threat the republic has ever seen. And I'm not even saying Dick Cheney himself is. I can think of some examples of people who might be bigger threats to the republic. But Dick Cheney's he's up there in the rankings. Like, to talk about being responsible for some deaths. Yeah. Consult a mirror. Yeah, for yeah. real. For real. Um, Tundra. There was once a man who liked flannel who hosted his own news talk channel. Mm. No matter you, your figure, his show should be bigger, but his takes were just too hot to handle. <laughs> well, thank Dominus you. Vobiscum. 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 I, uh, I appreciate the kind words. I don't know if my takes are uh, too much to handle, but I will take the... Uh, we love you. You're very special. The appreciative poetry, nonetheless. Thank you. M-Dub, Matt and I once bought pens at a nudist colony. No ballpoints, but there were some felt tips. Cheers, you guys. I forgot about this whole bit. It's been a while since we've had a good fountain pen remark, and I do still have fountain pens in my desk. And people are right. They are very smooth writers. Very smooth, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Writing instruments. Um, Apparatuses, apparati, I don't know. Wicked Massel, Modern Dem sends toe the line on nutty parts of the Orwellian. Am I illiterate? Okay. Sands? Is that what he meant to say? Uh, let me see. I can find it here. Moderate Dems, toe the line. Maybe that's just supposed to be omitted. Uh, toe oh, the line yeah. on nutty parts of the Orwellian IRA, like not protecting Title 42 and uh, sicking the IRS on the middle yeah. class. There we go. Do they really think they can gaslight their voting records anyway? They're going to try I'm it. Sure they're going to definitely and try it. And roughly yeah. half the country will buy it. Um, and so we're going to we're going to get a lesson in that. Unfortunately, um, I I would like to believe that nobody will, but people will definitely buy that. Mm, Matteo, guys, do you think twenty four is worth voting? I'm like blonde and largely given up on the system. 
But I've said since 2020, if Tucker ran, it would be perfect compromise between boorish Donnie and sleepy Ronnie. Hmm. Um, yeah, he's not going to, though. I, th- I think that Tucker Carlson wields the maximum amount of power from his current position. Yeah, uh, even over the office of the presidency itself, you're saying. Um, I think it would be foolish for him to run. I don't think he would have more power as president. Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting debate. Um, He's unencumbered except for um, the constraints of Fox News, which are, I'm sure, many. Yeah. But presidents can't do anything at all like <laughs> their their hands are basically tied they're totally we've ineffective. seen a lot of crap done through a lot of questionable means even in this presidency but that's true but to affect positive change it's a really difficult position yeah. to be in he yeah. reaches um, millions and millions of people on a daily basis in the way a president cannot do i think it's worth voting I, as i've said this entire time i i always think it's worth doing uh do what i put uh, would I think do I think that that's going to save our country alone? No, we have problems that are so far beyond that. But the best I can say about voting, as I've said uh, over the last year or two, is it doesn't hurt. And if it doesn't hurt, you should probably do it. It hurts me emotionally. Well, I, I guess then every it, time you vote, you're you're consenting to a system that doesn't tr- that doesn't. Uh, behave in the way that it portrays it's it's a the entire thing is a farce so so why should you engage in it well i i can see your argument there um but is is making the choice full consent it's just saying i would prefer this more than that i suppose not even if i would prefer the entire system go away i don't know i suppose it can't really hurt but but as we do it as a society, it uh, it suggests that we all still believe that we have a functional government. Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out just how functional and fortified come November. Um, Nicholas H., uh, your show started playing on my phone randomly while I was meeting with an investment client. Fortunately, Matt was pontificating about philosophy. Thanks, Matt. Good. good. That's uh, You caught a good moment. We weren't talking about visual the aids around buttholes. That could have gone just terribly. Thank you, Nicholas. Terribly. Semper Admiral, you are truckers, farmers, even mortgage owners in China are rebelling against their governments. It's time for the U.S. middle class to do the same. Claim one on your W-4, and if the government wants your money, come get it. That is so awesome. I think that is the best method that we have. And if yeah. you could organize some sort of um, large group to do that. And what I love about that method, too, is it's not aggressive. It's like, this, this is my property. You have no entitlement to it. I'm not going to give it to you. And if you want mm-hmm. to make a fight about that, here I am. Come make a fight about it. And if we um, all did it, they'd be powerless. Yeah. Against yeah. against that threat. Agreed. Um, by Bitcoin Daily, Jake says, ASP Active Self-Protection YouTube channel did an absolutely fabulous breakdown of the Vegas Vape Shop uh, store owner. I truly hope and pray the store owner doesn't face charges, but you never know with DAs. That's true. I don't know. I, I don't think he will. Maybe it could be like another Jose Alba situation, even if charges were brought where they get to that DA and say, no, you're not doing this. And he caves. Political pressure matters so much in these prosecutorial decisions. And I hate that even when it produces results that I like, because that's not, we shouldn't have competing pitchfork mobs going to these people to decide who gets prosecuted and who doesn't. It should be by the law. And if there's a problem with the application of the law, we're supposed to fix that. We're supposed to fix that through our legal representation. Um, But to our prior discussion, is that functional right now? Is that, is it fair to say that, 
the people we elect are actually going to do that or do they have their own interests and entrenched power uh, that shuts that sort of process down yeah yep uh, injured guardian blonde why in any or all the nine hells are you acquiring human body parts or for the aforementioned toe if your reasons are valid i may be able to assist wow. um i just have an interest in anatomy i'm a col- i've always been a collector of of oddities you know what you got to collect uh, my dad told me yesterday there was a comment on the video i posted about the uh california self-defense situation at the liquor store the guy got shot in the arm he said he shot my arm off he shot my arm off now i'm not I don't know if the arm was actually shot off, but if that arm is now a collector's item, you got to find that arm. It belongs on your uh, yeah. on your shelf. People are not really into the whole preservation thing. It is um, really difficult and extensive. Like this eyeball that I'm getting, it was a whole thing for this guy. I just got a bunch of wisdom teeth too. Oh, they got to you because I was going to say they, those are not in the PO box. That's not. I might have just given him my address. I'm Must like, have. oh, you want my home address to send me body parts? Let's bypass the P.O. box. <laughs> yeah. Um, knuckle hunky buck. San Francisco is complete recession proof. You can't walk down the street without being offered all different kinds of jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it took me a second, but uh, I do appreciate the joke. Thank you. I have a small dick. Ah. It doesn't work because I said it, though. Um, Matt, why do you use the old Bill O'Reilly? We'll do a live half the time when the Stewie Griffin version, uh, the other half for the intro. I feel like I'm missing part of the Matt and Blonde lore. I don't even know the answer to that. Actually, no reason other than there are those two versions of it. And some, I just like to mix it up and it's, it's more or less like alternating every episode. Although I don't know that that's exactly true, but there is no reason other than variability. That's it um brom 39 i work in a factory when i started it was 15 something an hour now it's 19 uh wouldn't the deflation act increase inflation by next spring and what is your opinion on investing in bonds from across the world Hmm. i don't know i mean i'm not going to do it i'm probably not a well-versed enough investor and this show does not offer investment advice nor do we defame others. No, I, I actually know. But buy Bitcoin. I mean, I obviously I have interest in trying to preserve like anybody else, trying to preserve what I have, preserve the value of what I have in whatever way I can do that. Yeah. I don't know anything about the international bond market, though, that I, I couldn't tell you the first. Thing. I know a little about it. So. Uh, not enough. You know, the first rule of investing is don't in, don't make investment decisions uh, in fields in which you have no familiarity. Yeah. So, uh, not really my jam. Um, Genubath, it's all eat the rich, send them to the gulag until a wealthy sports ball player gets arrested for the same thing that hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. are in prison for. Yeah, there is that angle on it, too. Uh, if, if Brittany Griner is uh, facing an injustice, which, yeah, sure, I, I agree that she is. Um, I'm not sure that any prison sentence for what happened is, is really justified, let alone a nine-year one. But, it, but um, it's funny. We we do have a lot of people. That's true. The comedy value is high. And we do have a lot of people in somewhat similar situations in this country yeah. with an apparent uh, lack of sympathy for them because why? She can almost dunk a basketball. Yeah. Um, don't care. Do Not care? impressed. Also, ha- haven't any of you people seen Locked Up Abroad? I have not, no. Oh, I mean, you know, people get arrested and imprisoned in, in foreign countries all the time for minor infractions. You You just take a risk. 
uh, when you go to these foreign countries. Mm -hmm. you, you have to acknowledge their laws. It's not the responsibility of the United States government to bail you out of your stupid stupidity. And I had a friend text me earlier in the week. Why is nobody scrutinizing Brittany Griner for being willing to take dirty Russian money during this whole Ukraine war? Why is she helping Russia abuse the blessed Ukrainian people? Why isn't she getting scrutinized for that? That's true. Ugh. Okay. Robin D. Banks, blonde. I'm actually quite feminine. Also, we want to punish Alex and others like him. Who else might that be when we have these people? When have these people ever stopped while tactically ahead and morally yeah. behind? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Thank you, Robin. Stedman Wellis says, good to catch the old 242 crew live. <laughs> <laughs> I like Hope. that. Seriously. Um, hoping for your continued success in hit pieces. Bit of wisdom for the night. Confucius say, um, man who goes to bed with itchy bum wakes up with sticky finger. Oh. I, I'm not sure I actually follow that one. It's something some about a bunch of monkey pox thing. Oh, okay. Got it. General, I'm sure Confucius did say that. Um, general <laughs> grievance. Tomorrow's my grandpa's memorial service and the leftist lunatic faction headed by my crazy groomer teacher aunt convinced my cousin that He's a she, and they're up in arms because me, my brother, and my mom won't play along with the high-minded intellectuals who can't tell male from female. Sorry for the long chat, but I'm pissed they'd pull this bullcrap at my grandpa's what? memorial. They have no shame. They're trying to say that his grandpa, or her, I don't know, but they're trying to say your grandpa was transgender. Am I getting that correct? Whoa, is that... I thought that so, he, that they were talking about the the teacher. Oh, convinced my cousin and, he's a she. The cousin is the okay. one. Okay. Okay. Good. Because I was like, wow, you can't po posthumous. Got it. Transgenderism. There's a new angle. Well, still, this is yeah. I mean, it's it's still an interfamily dispute about gender now identity. Not the time. Shit. Or yeah, ever. I, I I know it's a. I hope that's not a battle that erupts at your grandpa's funeral. Of course, all the the best to your family. But then again, if you're asked to. You know, it's one thing to just kind of allow other people to say and believe what they want. If you're asked to do things of affirmation that you personally do not believe or endorse, I mean, is there any context in which you should be doing that? Um, oh, man. Well, I, I just hope that that everybody keeps your grandpa in focus for the event and for the gathering. And um, if they don't, then I think that's on them. If they're focusing yeah. on something other than him, that's on them. Yep, totally. All the best to your um, family. Let's see. Plum Logan, the Libertarian Party has been usurped by the Mises Caucus. Positions of authority are held by Ron Paul Acolytes. Mm. This is what the chatters have been explaining. The party has been revamped. I'm interested right. then. I'm interested in this. Yeah, that sounds good to me. So perhaps I'll have to take another look. Sam Shearer, Dave Smith, and the Mises, am I saying that right? Mises Caucus, have taken over the Libertarian Party. They oppose open borders, BLM, and forced cake baking. Could be worth voting for if you live in a battleground state. I do not, but I might be in 10 years. Who knows? Interesting. I will mm. uh, I will give it a, another look. Thanks for the info. Chubby Stubby, amazing how suddenly the DOJ is interested in possible warrant abuse, but I guess their own misuse doesn't count. It's all on principle. Always. They just want to make sure that nobody lies in pursuit of a, a warrant. Anywhere. Uh, Walter Mellon, today they go after Alex Jones for Sandy Hook. Tomorrow they'll take Blonde for questions on Vegas. Yeah. We still have no answers about that. What if you were to say that Vegas was uh, some kind of inside job, some kind of hoax? Do the do the victims, do the family members of the people who died in Vegas get to sue you for that? 
I'll never forget the statement that came out after that that massive, involved, expensive investigation hmm. that said there's no reason that he did this. There was no motive. I just thought that was so insane. There's always a motive, even yeah. if it's insanity. That's a weird. I'll have to go back and look at that because it's it's different to say we can't identify the motive. That's there different was no than known there motive, is no. I think, yeah. Did they say no known or there is no? I think no known motive. Okay. I don't remember the verbiage, but. No, but I thought that it was just, it's just preposterous to think yeah. that like somebody would do something like this for, for absolutely no reason. Yeah. yeah. I'm highly suspicious of that still. Matteo, I have mixed feelings. I prefer unfettered free speech, but I like Trump, but like Trump said in 2015, two can play this lawfare game, open up the libel laws and take the bullhorn away from the pigs like New York slimes. Um, hashtag Alex Jones is right. Yeah, I I really don't want to fight the that kind of fight. I I hate that idea, but I understand that they there's no walking away from the fight. There's no saying, hey, aren't there higher moral values and principles we ought to uphold for everyone's benefit, not just mine, but right. for everyone's benefit? Can't we all agree to that? No, we can't. Okay, then I guess it is the smoke shop knife fight. I guess that's what we're doing. And if it's a yeah. smoke shop knife fight, then you have to do what you we have to do. It's really frustrating. Chubby stubby. So the 50 years of legalized abortion is precedent, um, but the previous 150 years of abortions being illegal illegal is not. Yes, that makes perfect sense. I know. Uh, The most recent few decades is is the precedent. Uh, Semper ad melior. My idea to claim one on W4. Okay, I was wrong. Apparently now you just write exempt on line 4C. Either way, why should I give government money to hire people to take more money from me? (laughs) I know. It's a good way of phrasing it because that's exactly what they're doing. If not, they might just be inventing new money to pay people to take real money from you. But job creation, not a no recession. Knuckle hunky buck. Matt and I once made love. I interviewed him for the news after someone spray painted his yard sign and driveway. Then I cheekily put extra emphasis on the first two syllables of home owner on camera. Thank you, Knuckle Hunky Buck. Hillbilly Deluxe. Regarding hoax hate, blonde at the nail on the head. Was it what is it with these men with femi voices? I work on the phone daily and the number of men with girly voices is astounding. Um this plummeting testosterone. Hmm. Indoctrination towards bisexuality. I don't know. Uh, single motherhood. It's it's un- well, I suppose there's probably a selection bias, but whenever we watch a new TV show, like we watch a lot of like, I don't know, trash reality TV or weird stupid contests, that kind Always of stuff. Fags. It's just like why is everyone borderline gay? Why does everybody why is almost every guy in this really femmy basically seem gay? maybe they're just trying to promote mm-hmm. uh, uh visibility and 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 it's a sort of a selection bias yeah. there or maybe yeah. we just have more uh, Femi voices <laughs> out yeah. there uh, in general. It's hard to say. That's true. Um, don't date 2K. Forearms and hands grasping. No look again. That's four gays hiney munching and spreading the monkey pox. Wow. That's that's very inclusive. If that's what they so were going inclusive. for. I don't have the... Oh, wait. I do have the picture up. Well, you you be the judge if that's what that represents. Tufel Hunden. Says jury nullification. I'll never, I'll never find guilty on any two A charge or victimless crime. Hmm. Oh. Interesting. I kind of like it. I uh, the, yeah, your own philosophy going against the uh, letter of the law. You know, like I said, normally I would say we shouldn't do that, but do we have that luxury anymore? 
Um, I bought PN sending a note for the first time. Wow. Oh, shut the fuck up. I bought PN. How dare you? Yeah, you get out of here. I'm not even reading this. <laughs> yeah. Breaking my vow of silence to recommend watching the movie Zero Hour after watching Airplane. Okay. Right. I'll I watch assume... that just because you throw money at us every week and I never have to read your super chat about putting it in Matt's butt. So I appreciate it. There's that. a game called Zero Hour, but there's a 1957 drama film. Okay. He must be referring to the 1957 movie. Oh, it was okay. used as the basis for the parody airplane. So it was like airplane okay. before airplane. Airplane before airplane. Oh, yeah. last one is Sam Shearer, blonde, open to education by Matt on economics. By Matt on economics, educates Matt about pregnancy. Chef's kiss. <laughs> you shouldn't, you definitely shouldn't uh, take education from me on economics. I don't mean just you. I mean, why? Anybody. I knew the government had something up their sleeve with this. Well, it's a, it's a fair bet there's government fuckery afoot in literally any context. So. Uh, let's see. I'll catch up on uh, Tippy Stream here. Um, Howie, this is over on D Live. Howie Felter Snatch says, yeah. "Cool wedding ring, Matt. Actually, it's not that cool. It is just uh, plasticky rubber. It's one of those inexpensive ones that if you lose it, it doesn't matter. Though I do like. Um, we we sort of have matching bands that I think are very cool." Um, With the mountains, mine looks a lot like this, but it's uh, what's the term for the What's it made out of? It's uh, like zirconium or something like that. Oh, I, I don't know. It's it. a weird. It looks like it's made out of stone, like dark uh, metal. And then it's got kind of like a Teton look, like a Teton outline etched in it. And then her titanium. Her no, it's not titanium. It's uh, I'll look it up. But anyway, we have our, our actual bands are like cool mountain theme. And I, I really like them. I think it is zirconium hmm. is the material of the band so that I never Sorry, wear. I it, just, you, yeah. it just stays in the safe. Um, hers is not zirconium though uh but thank you for the compliment i appreciate it and let me catch up on tippy stream here let's see i left off on let's eric burns marsh i think is the next one um yeah okay yeah uh people working three jobs uniquely american isn't it i mean that is fantastic that you're doing that signed george jr houston texas Who's George Jr. in Houston, Texas? I'm missing something here. Uh, George Bush Jr.? Oh, oh. That's, yeah. Uh, that's probably what he's getting at. Um, John says, only an idiot can't see that the costs are always passed on to the public. Shrinkflation is already here. It's how the this house of cards was built. It's getting high. Or it's getting high time that someone goes to Washington and starts collecting... Uh, and starts to collect injustices. Uh, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> well, they're either going to either Bill is going to Washington or Washington is coming to Bill. It seems yeah. like there's no avoiding that confrontation. John also says, FYI, the book One Second After by William R. Uh, Forschin, uh, a good book for the times ahead, even if the subject matter is depressing. I'm the bad guy from defense or, or Bill favorite quote from falling down. It, it is a, a I'm the bad guy. Yeah, that's right. It's a movie that's it, like that. Yeah. Or it's a part in a movie that, like I said, it's, it's kind of funny, but it's also really deep and meaningful that. And dark. Yeah. Uh, Witwat says, uh, hello, vanilla gorillas. Should we get Brittany Griner out of Russian prison and bring back, uh, bring her back to the U S and put her in prison for playing in the WNBA? Because that is the true crime. <laughs> yeah, really? Uh, Matt, good interview with Barnes. Well, thank you. Uh, Blonde, I'm not sure what you do. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's it, fair. It was circumstantial. This this actually it was. was. I, we actually planned it um, so that I could do the interview uh, today because I've been on a very stressful trip uh, and I had a little traveling snafu. I, I can't incriminate myself further. Uh, yeah, well, we we that was the whole point in getting it done today is so that Blonde would be able to participate. There were... <laughs> complicating factors and there were given i would like the audience to know that i committed two felonies in the last week Ooh, they'll have to two guess felonies. what once and we'll never guess know which felonies you can't share them yeah i can i can never um, share them ever or post any pictures of my trip <laughs> okay are we all uh finished up we're good on tippy stream so i think we're all set let me reload i think we're good. um perhaps we will uh yeah we're good you know committing crimes i forgot how fun it is it's been a little while, I guess. Slosher. I literally laughed out loud at Matt saying uh, borderline gay. That's my new favorite name for metros. Metros. I guess that is the term, right? Metro. I should use a more proper title. But borderline gay works for me. I like it. Okay. Well, uh, thank you guys for your chats and for uh, your jokes and all your participation tonight. Appreciate it. Of course, thanks to Robert Barnes for giving us some insight on the Alex Jones trial. Again, vivabarneslaw.locals.com if you want to check out their stuff. Yep. Um, and we'll have to have them back, uh, both Viva and Barnes, in the future for their legal insights and for the uh, meeting of the Sunday streams, as always. Anyway, if you're looking for more material to listen to, of course, we have extra material, including my appearance tomorrow night on Frank's show. Don't forget, 7.30 Eastern, quitefrankly.tv find all the extra stuff in the audio platforms linked in the description and over on the website mattchristensenmedia.com speaking of find everything show related over on the website mattchristensenmedia.com we'll be back next Sunday because if it's Sunday sorry Chuck Todd it's not meet the press it is the Matt and Blonde show have a great night bye guys <laughs>